Fill her up. You are listening to the Gas Digital Network. Because you want it Hello. live once again, Snack, Crackle, and Pop here in the studio. Welcome to Gas Digital. This is Slick and Thick, your favorite Hello. end of the Monday. If you made it this far on Monday, the week's already half over, folks. Enjoy. To my left, Hello. I'm six foot three, 200 pounds, and every one of them is a problem. The master of punks, the tamer of sages, the king of the ring. And believe it or not, not a single bit of product in that hair. It naturally comes Hello. like that. The one, the only, Mickey Gall. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Well, yeah, happy President's Day. Yellow. Yes, it's a nice George Bush impersonation that you're doing there. Is that? I, I don't know, kind of, maybe. <laughs> you maybe thought so? Yeah. My grandpa used to answer the phone and go, yellow. Yellow. That's a big white guy thing. <laughs> big white guy thing. He's Italian, so uh, it's almost, uh, almost the same thing. <laughs> well, he's been white for about 50 years. Congrats. Right. right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yellow is a big one. Um, what's another big one? Uh, uh, hi there. Hey. Yeah. Big white guy stuff. Yeah. Just naturally inherent white guy stuff. Now yeah. Patrice, so where else are you going with this? Patrice O'Neill had that great bit back in the day. RIP the great one, Patrice, that's just now making the rounds on the internet where he's like, you know, I'm friends with a lot of white guys and they all have the same look when they see a nice butt. Give you the nod. <laughs> I've seen that look. That's a, that's a nod. I've seen that look. Hey. Yeah, it's a good look. That's the look. look. You know what it is? It's a sharing look. It's You don't just want to take it for yourself. You want to make sure, hey, see that thing over there? Yeah. It's all right. I know uh, whenever uh, Richie pees around, if there's a hot girl anywhere in the premises, he's going to let you know. <laughs> anywhere, if there's one. Like, yeah. Hey, you see that? Like, what? He's like. Dibs. Dibs. like 40 knots Northwest. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. I didn't see that. (laughs) He's like a he's a truffle hound. Yeah, he's like going through the forest. A truffle hound. Yeah, Yeah. he'll 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 sniff him out. Yeah, Yeah, shout out Richie P. Shout out Richie P. You know, I got some balls calling him a truffle pig, huh? Yeah, right. Anyway, a lot to talk about this President's Day, Mick. A lot of people off today, man. Yeah, a lot of people off today. I was scared my PT was going to be off today. You you would have had PT PTSD. I would have PT PTSD for sure. Yeah. I would have been so mad. What'd you work? Today's a big day for your PT. Lots of PT. Road to we recovery. PT'd it up. Yeah. We did some, yeah, we stepped up the PT. I got a little, I got like a nice little pump going. I was, I was a little sore. I started to feel maybe a couple, in, couple two tree endorphins. Ooh. Some you know dopamine. A little yeah, dopamine. A little dopamine. <laughs> it's like, geez, about time. It's fun. Uh, it's fun been, watching you. Sober. Yeah. It's, it's fun I've watching you sober. on the side of watching other people play and you just be like, I know. Uh-huh. I like. I like. Uh, have to like, almost like time it out. Like I'm like. I'm like. All right, man. I got a minute of watching. <laughs> all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, see ya. I'm out. You're out you there know? coaching. The, you're out there coaching these guys up, getting a little more handsy, a little more aggressive, a little more. It's like, come on, buddy. No, yeah. no, no. Don't do yeah, it. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was good you were there the other day. <laughs> Except Ong, Ong had my back too, but I didn't even realize I was, I was like even doing too much. Well, wasn't you, you said the same thing. It wasn't you? You know. It was, it was the guy was going. It's not, but it's just you basing out and just like right, normal right. stuff. You got it. Got to protect. Got to protect. That's all, man. Yeah, and then I, you know, I tried to go easy with Ong, but you know, 
there was a weight issue there. There was a uh, yeah. There was a physics issue. Yeah, a little gravity, bit. Little gravity. A little issue. bit of gravity. Little gravity. Yeah. Yeah. Not real good with soft. A little bit of yeah. Soft. People learning the moves. They don't need three hundred pounds on them. Yeah. Well, I, oddly enough, I was trying to go very easy. Yeah. But sometimes when you know you go easy, you know you're not really like in total control of yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like yeah. You're, you're going easy anyway. Yeah, big boy. R.I.P. Ong. R.I.P. Ong. Ong's going to Thailand today. Dude, he is a beast. Watching him kick the bag is something. Bro, he kicks like a mule. Watching him kick the bag is like, you see everybody kick the bag, and there's just some guys, the impact is different. Ong's impact is a little bit different. Yeah. Know who else used to kick like a fucking mule? Dan Miller. Really? Dan Miller would kick like a mule. Barely ever use it in his fights, but I don't kick much of mine. I kick pretty hard, but I remember like, like I don't I don't kick as hard as Ong. I don't, I don't kick as hard as Dan. Another Those big, guys kick uh, like mules. Jersey legend Jim Miller fought this weekend. Absolute Jim Miller legend. fought. I am very biased because mm-hmm. Jim is like a big brother, but I thought he won that fight. It was very close. I thought he won that. Very fight. close fight. Uh, did they? Do you think? I was they watching. We we're out on the boat. Out on the boat. Like, no, I'm, I was watching this. We were on the boat. Yeah. You were locked in. I was locked in. Yeah. Let's see what happened. That's dedication. Setting records. Every time he's in the cage, he sets a new record. How many fights in the UFC has he had? Uh, I don't know, bro. Like, how many fights? Probably like 50 or something. Like, no. I think like 47, 48, 49. In the like UFC? The yeah. Golly. Something like that. Hold on. Ready? Uh, we should have. We sh- I, I didn't so, know we were going to talk about Jim Miller. So the, pull so up some Jim Miller. We're, we're up to UFC 150, and Jim Miller's been in Jim one third of the UFCs. Yeah. yeah, for real. Yeah. We're not, what? UFC 150? Fight. We're at 284. I'm joking. Oh. That's a joke. Oh. Fucking Jim hilarious. Miller has 53 fights. In the UFC? No. Golly. But he's in the 40s, at least. Jim Miller, UFC fights. Here we go. See who gets it first. 40. 40 fights in 41. the UFC. Wow. 41. 41 now, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's an OG. That's going to be a tough record to beat. JF&M, bro. Jim fucking Miller. <sighs> yeah. yeah. He's a man. Yeah, and he's competitive in every single one of those things. Yeah, yeah. for sure. He's a beast. Yeah. yeah. Was and he, you know, his a, brother, Dan, Army Ranger speaking of, no, no, he wasn't. Um, he's just like an outdoorsy, like hunter. Gotcha. Um, his, bro- his brother, Dan, speaking about being in it with everyone. People forget about Dan Miller. Dan Miller was like one of my first like, like, like pro like training partners that I would like get to work with. Right. Speaking of Richie P, like me and Richie P became friends helping Shark Tank Dan to get ready for some of his fights. He fought the who's who of 185 and went to a decision loss with like every single one of them. But, like, had dope fights. Like he fought uh, Chael Sonnen, Michael Bisping, Damian Maya, Rusmar Palhares, Nate Marquardt, and on and on and on. All those, like, the top every, you know. Palhares is a lunatic for people that don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, in that fight, he, Palhares got Dan in a submission hold. I th- or, or he, or he might have, uh, like, ground and pound him, like, once or twice. And then ran up, jumped up on the cage. And the ref was like, what? What are you doing? No, we didn't wave the fight. <laughs> I think that's like the only time that's ever happened. Nothing is over. Paul Harris and uh, Dan. I think Dan starts to go dr- start grabbing him off the cage. <laughs> the ref is like, "Well, wait, time out, time out." Yeah, the fight's not over, but you can't <laughs> imagine Dan just like pulling his ass down. <laughs> Suplex City. Yeah. Wow. Slam him down. That's wild. Yeah. What uh, 
So what are type of some of the topics you're trying to talk about today, Big G? Well, you had a well, great one that you sent oh me wait, the other you day. Want, I got a, I got these yearbook quotes. Yeah, coming uh, up like, on, on spring break for these kids, man. Is that what time year? of year it is? It's about spring break, isn't it? It's about spring break time. Oh, shit. Spring break, senior year is about, uh, that's it. That's basically graduation and then senioritis kicks in. Right, now, you're talking about high school or college? Here? I'm talking high school. Okay. High school here. You know, spring break, college, you know, some people still got to graduate. You know, they don't want to be fifth year did you go somewhere for spring break in high school no nah, i was always playing baseball yeah well, i was gonna say anyway it's like like imagine like having to like i guess they'd all need like fake ids or something that was like, the thing to yeah. try and come down and have some fun go yeah, somewhere you know absolutely um all right so i'm gonna hit you with, with some inspirational inspirational yearbook quotes ready the first one is it's not enough that i should succeed others should fail <laughs> Chingus Khan over there. Kevin Chang, close. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Kevin. Shout out, Genghis Khan. Um, no, another one is, bruh, we just graduated just to go to school again. <laughs> That's how you know dude got into a state school. Oh, uh, here, this one I like. This one I like. Or you're going to love this one, G. My prediction for year 2020 is that everyone will live peacefully and they will cure every disease there is. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> Absolutely nailed it. Sorry, this this Kevin, Kevin Singh was a little off. A little off. Um, ooh, I like this one. There's some player shit for you guys. Ready? You can catch flies with honey, but you can catch more honeys being fly. Hey. 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 Keegan Large up in this piece. Oh, Keegan. Keegan All got right. game. Um, Connor, here we go. Waking up is the second hardest thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that's Don't let that go over your head, boy. That, that's high school, buddy. That's <laughs> high school for sure. Waking up that's is high school the second in hardest a nutshell. thing in the morning. In a nutshell, huh? <laughs> All right. I got, uh, old, I got one more for you. Who, who said that? Who said that? Yeah. Connor Hart. Old Duff. sticky old, old sticky sheets Connor over there. Yeah. Old stiffy Connor. <laughs> um, now from Riley Merritt. Our parents had sex the same year, so that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All Philosophizer. Our all our parents, yeah. Philosoph Every, everybody, everybody you know is born nine months from Christmas or Valentine's Day. What did you what? did you have a yearbook quote, Ben? Do you remember what your yearbook quote was? Born in January. What you talking about, bro? I do. Um, it was kind of phil philosophical. It oh, was, you, uh, it was. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift, and that's why we call it present. Hey, all right. Yeah. All right. Ben, ben went Good Pinterest. Ben. He went full Pinterest. Ben. Ben. Well, hey, I'll Good tell you a little backstory ben. about it. It's from, I like Kung Fu Panda. It's it's actually from the movie Kung Fu Word Panda. Up. I like so when G's on the yeah. mats, he reminds me of Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> <laughs> Out there rolling around. Oh, uh, man. He had he had some crazy cardio for like a Jack Like a Jack Jack Black. Like, ah, ah. Like, yeah, Jack Black's older brother. Yeah. yeah, jacked black. Jason Momoa, bad, uh, bad portion control black. Yeah, we'll work on that. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll, Omri, we'll edit that one out. Omri, I know Omri, this is live, but let's edit that out. Guys. Omri, do you, did you guys have friends. yearbooks in uh, Tel Aviv? We did. We did have yearbooks. Uh, my quote is about 12 lines long because that's what they let us do. And if you read the first letter of each uh, sentence, it spells out there is no God. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Jeez, why didn't you just say that? If that's just how you feel, why didn't you just say that? Why'd you have to sneak it in there? He's, he's doing, he's doing uh, anagrams over here. <laughs> well, you can would tell they have not allowed you. If, would they have not allowed you if uh, you just wanted to say that? 
Uh, I have a friend that did the same thing, but it spelled out marijuana, and they canceled that one. Holy moly. Okay. In, in English? Was this in English? No, this was in Hebrew. So in Hebrew, wow. I saw I saw in one of my the yearbook things I saw this guy did Morse code <laughs> and it just spelled out fuck. Nice, <laughs> I like that. But it was like it was like really long, so you had to like it, it would have been a lot of work yeah. just to get those. Four do you remember letters. what your what what was your yearbook? I don't do you remember? I, I did. I definitely would not have taken the time to put a yearbook quote in. Yeah, I mean someone's got to check that yearbook. But as far as I know, I do not think I put a yearbook quote in. I have a quote, but I forget. And I think at the time I thought it was very philosophical and salient, but now I would think probably it's probably cringe. very cringy and pretentious. Yeah, yeah. it's probably like. Believe in your unlimited human potential. We can change the world, you know, and something like that, you know. But also, you know, don't show up for any classes senior year and try to bang every cheerleader possible. That's, you know. In, in a nutshell, again. yeah. If you had to write a yearbook quote now, if you had a, a yearbook quote the, the day you turned 30, what would your yearbook quote be? Um, I don't know. Probably like something like, maybe like my uh, my Instagram one. Like, girl, we're all going to be dead in 100 years, so, like, you know what I mean? Fucking the happiest, Joyce, don't most fucking, optimistic guy don't fucking, I know is, hey, like, you're going to die. Think of, it's, it's yeah, uh, what do they call that? Momenti mori, yeah, yeah. remember death. That's it's right. important to remember death. Makes you not t- it makes you not take the dumb shit so serious. Yeah, I hear you. You know? It definitely fueled my alcoholism for a long time. It did. Yeah. So you kind of went the other way on it. You were like, fucking nothing matters. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the loser way. That's the loser way? Yeah, you want to do as much dope shit while you're here as you can. And that's why they'll never remember your name. Exactly. You got to do as much cool shit as, as you can when you're here. Yeah, that's I'd prob- what remember death means. I'd probably kind of go along that way, too. I'd be like, hey, buddy. You're, is that a, is that like a nihilistic look? Is a that little what bit. Called nihilism? But you're like an you're optimistic like nihilist. No, I'm saying you. Am I a nihilist? I'm not a nihilist. But the, you uh, saying that you remember death, so that just made you just drink I'm probably all the time. somewhere in the intersection of a, on my best days, I'm a stoic, and on my worst days, I'm a pessimistic realist. Cynic. On my best days, I'm a stoic, and on my worst days, I'm a cynic. So somewhere between cynicism and stoicism. Yeah. Uh, elaborate. Oh, are you familiar with Stoicism? Of course. I've uh, listened to meditations. Yeah, so, you know, the idea of understanding why you're feeling what you're feeling and, and, you know, Stoicism is being in complete control of your emotions and environment as much as possible, right? So Mm. it's not denying the truth or, you know, it's just trying to be really in the moment with Stoicism. Like my favorite one. So I got an issue with Stoicism first. Okay. They say, like, you should be in control of, like, all your emotions. Mm-hmm. But, if, like, I went up to you in your ear, and, and, like, they say, like, no one no one should be able to make you feel anything. Yeah. But if someone, if you just go to your ears, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I was like, everyone on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. You're going to get fucking annoyed. Yes. So, yeah, I I got annoyed. So You, that, you made me annoyed. Yeah. I so, made you annoyed, whoever's listening to this. So you can affect my environment, so then I have to either eliminate myself from the environment or eliminate you from the environment. That's, that's stoicism? That's, that's stoicism. I don't think that was Aurelius's... Yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very pragmatic approach. So it's... What, stoicism all Aurelius? So it's what's bothering me. No, it starts with Plato. Mm-hmm. Um, or, though at least they say Plato is the father of stoicism. But it's like, okay, it's, it's just being pragmatic in your approach. It's saying, all right... Instead of getting upset, instead of losing my temper, instead of doing all the things that made me do all the dumb shit I did when I was younger, let me analyze. Let me self-evaluate. All right, what about this is really bothering me? All right? And then what do I do about it? And that's kind of it. It's, it's the process behind your emotions. Right. Right? So, like, all right, this girl is talking to this other dude. I thought we were talking. Why does that bother me? Well, 
uh, she's a whore. Is she a whore? Or are you just really insecure that now you've got competition? And if you're, then if that's not the case, then if she really is like making you going out of her way to make you feel insecure, well, you got to remove yourself from that environment. Sure. So that that's kind of it. So if everybody's going, ree, 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 I have to evaluate what I did to but cause can, that. But I can. And stop. <laughs> Or no, I have to these remove. These people listening did nothing. I just decided to do it to them. So then I because I could just be. A I have to eliminate mental you. terrorist. I have to kill you. I have to eliminate you, <laughs> and, and I don't have to feel bad about it though because I gave, I gave it the opportunity. Well, so if someone makes you feel start to feel emotions, then you kill. It. I feel like this is your own little stoicism. Look, you have to kill someone look, only when they start. Hey, you're making me feel emotions. Marcus, Marcus Aurelius has his interpretation. This is yours. Gerard Michael Aurelius has his. <laughs> This is your own modern-day take on I stoicism. I think so. You're Remember, I did say I was a cynic. Yeah. And I've also never once claimed to be one of those, you know, pacifist I, libertarians who believe in the non-aggression principle. Yeah, you're definitely not that. You're definitely a cynic. I, you should have heard, Gerard, you were, have been getting so ready to go off politically in the past. I've been watching the little group chat you, me, and Omri got, and I'm like, negativity, negativity, <laughs> negativity. I was like, oh, I'm, oh he's going to try and go off. I don't Omri loves off. it. Omri's about to f- it loves to fuel the fire too. Because Omri, Omri's but lived the real world, man. So what does that mean? This this world ain't all fucking butterflies and all and, right, and lollipops, but, but also it it definitely doesn't need to be doom not, and gloom. For, not every one for, of us for uh ninety three percent of the podcast. Hey, listen, not every one of us wake up in the morning and don't have to put fucking shit in our hair to look good, buddy. Okay. I hop in the ocean, baby. <laughs> I just let the I just let the natural the natural seas do not, my hair, right? Not every one of us has been a fucking, you know, a national icon since they were twenty four years old, bud. Some of okay. us have had to shovel shit here, man. All right. And so what do you us, think I was doing till I was twenty four? You, you had you were on a bread truck for like eleven hours. I yeah, I drove a bread <laughs> truck, but what do you think? You think people you think I just woke up and got put in the UFC? Yes. I just woke up and got put in the UFC. They just rolled over and they were like, Hey, what's this guy do? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. He's done jujitsu for like a day. Give him That's a it. go. So That's I it. did one day jujitsu before. <laughs> Not everybody has to. I can see Mick preparing to eliminate G from his environment right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a coach, and it, nothing in this world pissed me off more than this. And he meant it to, um, like, inspire his fellow Latins. So it was in rookie ball, okay. and there was only four Americans on the team, and everybody else was from Latin America. And they were coming in. They were all fucked up all the time. And, like, our coach, all of our meetings were in Spanish, even though we played right here in Florida, which was one wild. Two, uh, I knew enough Spanish to understand what he was saying. And he was basically, he was berating everybody and going, do you know how easy these guys have had it? These guys woke up one day, and they decided they would play baseball. Tomorrow, if they want to stop, they'll read a book and become a doctor. They'll read a book and become a lawyer. They're going to be fine for the rest of their lives. You Latinos, this is all you have. And the fact that you're getting outworked by these gringos is a is a joke. You should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed for your country folk. Okay. And he's having this conversation. He's my manager <laughs> having this conversation. And I'm just sitting here like, man, he really believes this. Yeah. He really believes like, well, you know, this, this baseball thing is just a hobby for me. And if it doesn't work out, oh, well, I'll go be a doctor. Like, it doesn't mean anything. All right. Check this out, though. This brings it right back to the little argument we had on the podcast a few weeks ago. I'm sitting here talking about being positive, and you're like, me and Omri, we had to do the real world. Yeah. God, hey ma- God made us fat, and we're <laughs> fucking everything. It's just not fair. That mindset's going to keep you there. 
That shit, I, I, did, I didn't know I was going to be the shit. Before I even was. You got to know you're the shit. You got to, you got to, you got to know. It's, it's the, it's the same thing we talked about when, when we talk about manifestation. Yes. And when you were talking, Omri would never be able to be a basketball player. There's no, nothing to do. Listen, you know, if, if Omri every day was up shooting and stretching and jumping and aspiring, trying to grab the rim, I guarantee you Omri's going to be at least six inches taller. His bones are going to are going to fit what his mind is telling him he has to do. He's going to stretch out and he's going to grow and he 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 would be taller. All right. I promise you. I'm really going to have to try we, this we, out we, over the next about 2 it. years. Think about it. We, yeah, well it's yeah. We're going to track we're going to track progress. I guarantee here. you'll Omri can grow. If he if he really was jumping every day and trying to touch rim, trying to touch rim, trying to touch rim. Yeah. I guarantee Do, do you believe in the secret? Are you one of these guys you believe in the secret? Um I don't even know the exact like I've never read the secret or yeah. read the book, but I, I've read For Think You Grow Rich. And I fuck with that. It's very not it's very not much a secret. Right. Yeah. Well but it kinda it kinda was. Mm-hmm. It's uh but it it's basically if if I'm understanding correctly, the same thing as the think and grow rich. Yes. It's like if you have like that desire and that focus and your uh the universe your vibrations and your brain waves in can create your reality. Mm-hmm. Right? Um but th- what fuck, you you threw me off now talking about Specifying it, um, you believe in like this manifestation, the, well, law, yeah. the law. So of what attraction. I was saying before was, you you know how like a yes that, but also like how a a, a lady will lift a car up when her child's underneath it. Uh-huh. That like that we're you have like that's that's showing that people are capable. We can't tap into all of our brain, all of our brain. Mm-hmm. We could try. And the, and uh, could you imagine how much you could like man? You say like manifestation is repackaged prayer. I, I do. I do believe re- right? manifestation you, is a remarketing of prayer. But but maybe there's something to that shit. Oh, maybe there's you, when you to when it. you you know what I mean? Like when you if you have hyper focus and have a desire and have like that burning desire going for shit, you mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You're gonna make shit happen. If if Omri was out there trying layups every day, he's I bet he grows taller. If you know when that kid stuck under the car, that woman became stronger. Mm. Things can happen. Here, here's, I agree with you and I disagree with you. I agree with you that, that on two things specifically that are very powerful about that. I believe self-talk becomes realization. I believe right. if you're negative in your self-talk and if you're negative in your outlook, negative, you do attract negative. Yeah, I slap yourself in the face and go, no. Say no out loud. Stop that shit and, and re, refocus your mind. Because you could just do it. You could do it. You, you could let junk bullshit happen you can let the world affect you or you can mm-hmm. affect the world and affect your at least yourself 100 that i agree with you know and that goes back to kind of the stoicism of you know controlling your environment okay like what's really going on here and am i upset by what's happening and i going to allow myself to be a victim of circumstance or can i overcome my circumstance all right and then become very process oriented for, for a guy like me and it, it's, there's also a difference in personality like but a cynic listening to me right now, like, ah, whatever, and just gonna keep, you know, thinking, Maybe. thinking, but thinking the, bullshit, and no, and, and their life won't get any better. People, ah, I just, I just got no luck. Yeah, you're gonna keep having no luck because you're, you're, you're perpetuating that. Maybe, but also a guy like you being around a cynic is very important. Like from the Billy D episode, right? Like he was acting out. That dude needed a hug, and the only way he can get any positive, any positive reinforcement was when he fucked up. And somebody was like, dude, you're so much better than this. You're fucking throwing your life away. And he's getting that dopamine in that minute. Like, man, that guy thinks I'm so better So there should be this. more people like that putting that energy out in the world. Yeah, there is. There should be. But it's difficult. This world beats people down, man. This world beats people down, Mick. And, sure. And saying that they're not tough enough or, like, 
it, it, that doesn't work when you you know when you've gone bankrupt when you fucking have lost a kid when when the like the world beats people the fuck down hundred percent. So I understand where I come in is understanding where your positive worldview is better. But understanding from a cynic's perspective how easy it is to turn it off because it's like it's dandy, it's it's raisins and candy and like I need a process, man. Like, okay, what's the process? Okay, like it's one thing like, hey, you can do this. Okay, great. How do I do it? That's where everybody fucks up. Everybody says, you can do this. All you got to do is really believe. No, what you got to really do is you got to wake up early. You got to hit the gym early. You got to get your finances fucking right. You got to get control of your life. And you got to do these things incrementally. Right. There, belief and faith, There's that. that is huge. Even when shit's down and negative, you know, that you have to believe that there's going to be a better day and that things are, are going to get better. It's hard to do, man. Well, you got to do it. Or you're gonna yeah. probably stay in that spot, and and yes, having also practical uh, pr- steps to take. Mm-hmm. Of, of course, you can't just you can just sit there and believe all you want, but if you're not taking action towards that, then it's it's not enough. All those things have to work together, but all those things got to be firing. Sure, right. And but but I don't I don't agree that just saying I, I like. Yeah, everyone everyone's got their shit. Everyone's got tough luck and ha- suffers loss and suffers you know all bankruptcy, losing people, all, all the shit you're saying. Mm-hmm. Everybody's does. Mm-hmm. But you could choose to get stay down from that, or you could choose to ri- ri- rise above that. Yep. Right? I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. Where I go to disagree is in two ways. One, I can believe things will get better and just don't know how. You don't need to necessarily you know how. You definitely need to know how. Yeah, and you have you to don't. figure, or you have to figure out who does and get around them. You don't necessarily. Tell me why. Just because you don't. You can't just sit there and be like, well, today's going to be a good day and just sit there and wait for a good okay, day Okay, yeah, you can't. S- I, well, that's what I just said. So the, I just but, said that. You, you got to take steps. Yes. Well, what are those steps specifically? F- you, f- you, you can figure it out. You can figure it out. Go outside. That's Pe- a, take literal steps. People that are in the depths of this shit, my brother, they, they don't know. Half the time that they're in the position right. that they're uh, in how about because this? they take didn't know. Steps. Take steps. Go get out, outside in the air. And go walk around. Mm-hmm. Let your let your mind go. You'll you'll start thinking about you'll start th- you know thinking about your shit. You're thinking about like all right, why why do I why am I feeling this way? What can I do to change that? You'll start figuring out. Those answers will come to you. All the everything out there is all within. We don't you don't need to get around a person. There's no fuck all these gurus and all this bullshit. That they're just they're just another man. Mm-hmm. You figure figure your own shit out. Yeah, get, but other men know what within. they're doing. Like, sure, it's so like watching there's somebody. Always, yes, you can, you can gain from that, but I bet you could gain even more from yourself. Yeah, this is where you lose me. Yeah, well, this is, this you're a fucking cynic. I am, but I'm also like, you're going to tell somebody that's living, a single mom in the south side of Chicago working two jobs, hey, all you got to do is go for a walk. Well, she's out there working two jobs. Yeah, on a treadmill. Life can't get better. She has no time. There's plenty of things she could do. Okay, tell me. She could have went to NBA All-Star Weekend. <laughs> <laughs> she better. So number one is get herself in shape. Oh, no, I was just saying just go have a nice time. <laughs> She, she can go to Magic City in, in Atlanta. Yeah, just go have a nice little vacation. Just, just have a little vacay, you, you know? know? Yeah. yeah. Come down with a... I, I think the positive attitude is incredibly important. I've seen people maintain a positive attitude in life, and over the time, now that I'm a little bit older, they age much better. Stress and cynicism ages people in really negative ways, and I've seen that now. I've seen people I love grow up in a really pessimistic kind of that, you know, uh, born to lose frame of mind. 
and people that are the same age look 20 years apart. Right. It, it really does have an effect. I get it. I just think that there's more to it than, you know. Than the 20 different things I just said? Just I get, there's a lot. I gave a lot of, lot of like, I room. Think, I think there has to be structure to that, I guess would be what I'm saying. Agreed. Yeah, there has to be structure. Agreed. It's got to it's be disciplined, and it's not going to be easy. No, no one said anything's going to be fucking easy. Yeah, yeah. Because nothing good really ever is. I don't know, man. You ever eaten a donut? It's pretty fucking easy. I don't really eat donuts. Pretty good. You should give a donut a go. <laughs> Omri, what do you think about donuts, bud? Yeah, why don't you two guys talk about fucking donuts? Ben, you had a donut, a buddy? Is a donut difficult? Is it difficult to consume a donut? No, it's, it's, no it's but does it really make you feel that good? <laughs> Has this fucking guy ever had a donut? Is that Bro, I've had plenty of Boston cream in my day. <laughs> That's my favorite donut. Oh, I love the uh, oh, apple fritter. Oh, That's good. Yeah, it's buddy. like uh, it's like an apple pie, but with donut. Oh yeah, covered. yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. I go Boston cream though. Yeah. Oh yeah, all I, day. Well, the one down here they got the peanut, the peanut butter and jelly. I've never had that one before. That's outrageous. Ben, favorite donut? Ooh, favorite donut. Um, I'm I'm a jelly guy. I like the jelly donuts. I'm okay. That's a great one. I'm a good. With That's a fantastic one. Yeah, donut. I want Pretty a little hard. something. I want I want something in it. There's too, only you know one I mean? thing I don't like about the jelly donut. Can't dunk it in the coffee. Don't like the jelly in the coffee. You put your apple fritter in a coffee? I do, and it's delicious. A little cinnamon. A little mm. cinnamon, a little sugar, a little glaze. Okay. Yeah. No, it's good about cinnamon. Boston cream. No, it's good about cinnamon, though. What's Especially that? if you're going to eat all that sugar and carbs. Yep. That'll regula- c- Cinnamon regulates your blood sugar, so it'll make it sustained energy after a longer time. Won't, you won't crash huh. as quick. So, yeah, if you're going to eat like a if – if you have like a meal with a lot of like like carbs or sugars in it, just throw some cinnamon back. Throw really? Cinnamon back. Like, do we do we get that? Yes, digital. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Yes, I wrote the week I knew. Where I we knew. at, guys? We get, where we at, internet? <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Omri, we got a favorite Shit. donut, buddy? got cinnamon pills, too. Can I do that? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm spraying them. <laughs> I like apple cider donuts. Apple, apple cider donuts. Oh, like- when you're going like, uh, when you're going apple picking with the missus, a little apple cider donut. Shout 100%. out to... Yeah, maybe... Don't eat donuts. If you're feeling uh, sad and you're and you're 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 feeling like if you can relate to all that G's saying. Step one. Don't eat a donut. Maybe maybe eat the apple. Eat some water. Not the donut. <laughs> eat some eat some water that day and go for a walk. You're not sad. You're just fat, Mickey Gall. <laughs> Depression isn't real. Do a sit up, Mickey Gall. Yeah, go yeah go outside. Take a nice little brisk walk. Sponsored by Mind Altering Zippix. Oh, I, I meant to bring you Zipix today. I forgot. <laughs> I do love these. Zipics. I know. I, I grabbed like them too. I, yeah, it's something like that. It's almost like that. Yeah, addicting to feeling good <laughs> in your brain, having a dope brain. Do, so, do you think the way that we teach our kids and educate our kids leads them into this kind of feeling of hopelessness or the opposite? No, I think. Well, think I think a little re- bit. I think a little bit that before, but also the other side of it, where I come from. Are we not teaching kids to think critically, which is kind of what you were saying before, and everybody's told this is what you do and this is the order you do Well, it's a little bit of both. I think being, like we've talked about, being stuffed into a desk and told, like, you raise your hand if you want this, that, that. Like, mm-hmm. kids have, like, like are, are free. You know what I mean? Like, kids are, especially kids, before they're, like, affected by the world. Very like, creative. Yeah, kids are going to be very creative, creative and naturally happy. Moving. That's That stuff comes when... It, is there any de- like depressed like seven year olds? No, 
But I, it's, so. it's interesting that you put it like that. Now that you put it like that, it really makes me because people get yeah they get they get stuffed down by the world. But tamed the word I'm using is tamed, tamed or it's just like whatever stuffed down, school. teased. They're told they get they get bullied about something, and then they start becoming like self conscious and certain things like that. Well, that's just the but world, though. Exactly. And it goes back to the point. You could stay down and stay affected and stay down by that and be like, all right, I'm going to act like I'm someone different so I could fit in and do different shit like that. Or you could just go and be yourself. That's the other thing when people are trying to be like other other people and, and they lose their own individu- individuality. Mm-hmm. Every, some, like I know I've, I'm, I'm probably sounding like a broken record, but like everybody has their own individual um, attributes that they're going to be uh, superior than others and deficient in others. So, but if you're the only person you could be the best as being your own best self, mm-hmm. right? Yes, but that, but I also think that there's like, I think you can maximize your capabilities. But I, right, but I think I think children are are themselves, and then uh, after a while, the world starts screwing with them. And some people are able to like kind of figure out and get back to themselves and and elevate, and some people are able to are just kind of stay beaten down. Correct. But again, going back to what you said earlier, this is where I diverge from your thinking, right? I think it's, I think you can maximize your capability. I think Omri, if he practiced every day for two years, like you're talking about, could become the best basketball player he could possibly become. And, and that still is not going to be good enough to be in the NBA. And the fact that he took that much time to do that probably stole away time of something that he would be the best in the world at. I think everybody could be the best so in the world what? at We're, something. We, we live pretty long nowadays. You can have several lifetimes. Spoken like a guy who doesn't eat donuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on. I'm on. I'm on you're borrowed on, you're time, on the, you're on, the, you're on the back nine, huh? <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. For sure I'm on the back nine. Yeah. We're yeah. not seeing a 70 out of you? I, I, it would. It would. Well, be you've been. You've been. You've. You've been being a lot. A whole lot healthier. Yeah, but it's. It's more of a genetic thing. No, we don't. We're here for a good time, not a long time. The uh, my my Irish your, clan your people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We are a good time. Yeah, but you know we're not the last ones at the party. Yeah, you're like a you're like a firework. Yeah, <laughs> quick out of the thing and <laughs> more ways than one. Sizzle. but Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm single. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well. That it's a compliment to me, to her, right? To her, it's absolutely a compliment. Wow, compliments to the chef. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Enjoy if the you, meal. Yeah, if you come fast, it's, you should be like, "Milady, that's <laughs> off to you." <laughs> it's, it's not, you know what I mean? That's on you. Don't be so good. If it, if it <laughs> Hit him with a milady. <laughs> Well, I didn't, well, I don't want to. I know you're busy. I don't want to jam up your schedule here. I'll just be uh, hitting the old dusty trail. Uh, uh, give us a call Tuesday. We could probably fit this in around lunch. Yeah. <laughs> fit this in for uh, another uh, 13 and a half seconds or so. Yeah, depending on traffic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I tend to agree, man. I, I I really, really, really have some anxiety about the future. Um Oh well, speaking about how kids are raised, yeah. How about uh, those Chinese kids who are like eight or nine years old, like assembling and dissembling guns? Oh my god, I saw this. This is insane. Ben, can you pull this up? Omri, can you pull this up? These guys are sitting in an elementary school class in China. I verified it with Nancy. I thought it was like propaganda. Maybe it was North Korea. That would make some more sense. But apparently, it's in China, according to old Nancy Pants. And uh, these kids are putting together and taking apart nine millimeters and Glock twenty twos. In elementary school with proficiency. Yeah. And I'm looking at our elementary school being taught uh, to, uh, you know, hate their fathers, 
be as passive as possible and yeah. uh, don't stand up for yourself. And uh, It's not going to fare well for yeah. us in a world war if, 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 that, you wanna if this f- continues. If you want to fit in, cut your dick off maybe. You know, that's what, that's what the cool kids are doing. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with it, I guess. That's what they tell me. But uh, I just hope the world war happens soon. Before those kids grow up? Because I feel like I can handle it right now. You can handle the world I war? I think so. Better than I'm going to be able to do it in 20 when those kids are out there fucking yeah, running around. Yeah, you make it another. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm already on the back nine. You're going to put me on the 17th hole of my life having to fend off these kids who have been who, who have been playing, you know, Red Dawn. Yeah. Like, you know, these guys are out there. We were playing we were playing Oregon Trail, bud. Like, we know, all right? Yeah. You might you might be a little younger than the Oregon Trail generation. Did you ever, oh, did yeah. you ever ford a river? Um, I, m- I remember, like, in my first computer class, mm. that was, like, a game. Yeah. And I was like, this is stupid. This is a this is not a fun game. Do you know what's stupid? This dying of dysentery? When I remember that from it. I thought that that would be a much bigger challenge that I'd have to face in adulthood. Overcoming it turns out. <laughs> dysentery? I thought dysentery would be a much bigger is challenge. Is that when you shit yourself to death? Yeah, I think it's diarrhea. Di- diarrhea. Yeah, death, <laughs> no, by, death yeah. by diarrhea? Death by diarrhea. Yeah. Um, Good thing they got electrolyte tablets and whatnot nowadays. I, th- I thought it would be a much. I thought I thought fording rivers and uh, you know death by diarrhea would be a much bigger plague. But it turns out no, it's just uh, toxic chemicals and derailments and you know sudden deaths for professional athletes that apparently have always happened forever. And oh, I just question. saw something about that uh, today actually too. This funeral home uh, director, uh, he which I gotta say, great business. People are always going to die. Business never going to run out of. Business never going to run out of uh, his clients. Booming. But he was saying, in like all his years of doing it, twenty plus years, never saw a fifteen-year-old die uh, from a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And in the past, like month, he's had one every week. It's fucking unreal. Yeah, I'm actually going to pull that up. Uh, um, well, make sure I got that exactly correct. But I know I just saw it. You would think if this is happening, that you know. Our powers that be would be doing everything possible to get to the bottom of it. I said plus 20 years. In 78 years, they never had a 15-year-old to die from a heart attack. In December 2022, they had one a week for three weeks straight. It's very sad, man. It's very sad. It's wild, right? It's very wild. You know, and now NBC News comes out like it's breaking news. Turns out studies show that immunity was... Just as just as effective against COVID nineteen as it's like. Oh, I'm falling into the Gerard trap. I'm uh-oh. falling into the Gerard here trap. He comes. <laughs> oh no, the grenade! Oh no! Yeah, and he's Palestine. Oh. He's Palestine. Get it? Why? Dude. Why is Joe Biden in the Ukraine before he's gone to Ohio? Why? Can anybody tell me? Can anybody tell me why I, this man is know, in Kiev bro. and not in East Palestine, man? We had a toxic event and then they got the balls to tell these people they got the balls to tell these people the air is clean the water's clean and then you see that lady yes officially the white house says the air is perfectly fine to breathe they denied a request like the first time in three years (laughs) (laughs) what yeah don't wear a mask there's no need there's no need it's unbelievable. But we know the water is not clean, and and that water goes to so many different people. I yes. realize water is like the most new, maybe the most New Jersey thing I say, I say. Water, water, water. Yeah. Wa- it's like almost like an R in there. Water. If you had any question as to who our ruling class is beholden to, just understand that Joe Biden flew halfway across the fucking globe to sit down with the president of Ukraine before he went to Ohio to see his own people in the biggest ecological disaster in the history of our country. 
You think he's scared to go there? Afraid to get some toxins? <laughs> what do you think? I mean, he he's a, and he's like a Pennsylvania guy. That's like in it's Delaware. like in Pennsylvania. Delaware, yeah. No, he, I thought he had something to do with Pennsylvania. No, Delaware. Maybe he was uh, born in Pennsylvania. I don't know. Where uh, was where was Corn Pop? Was Corn Pop a band? I don't dude? know what Corn Pop is. Listen, it guys, our government is no longer beholden to us as citizens. They only care about global interests because that's where their money is. And it's not just Biden. And it's not just the Democrats. And you know how I feel about the Democrats. The, this modern Democratic Party is a bunch of fucking monsters. They're monsters. But it's not just them. All right. Hey, Omri. Any questions for you? 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 Yeah. Yep. Yep. Hey, you say Israel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got I got a question for you both from uh, Reckon It. This came in before the chat started. Is if you had to watch uh, tranny porn, would you rather watch girl fucks guy or guy fucks girl? Well, like no... what kind of tranny porn would you watch? Well, first of oh. all, I mean, assuming that tranny porn is a gender binary is a no no in 2023. Come on now. Yeah, I mean, and that for that reason, I'm not answering. Yeah, out of out of reason, protest. Um, God, what do you mean? I actually don't even. I can't. Honestly, my brain can't. Yeah, well, what are we talking about here? Are we talking? We're talking about. Are we? Ta- we're talking about. Uh, are we talking uh, post-op, pre-op, during-op? What we're talking. What we're talking about is: Would you rather watch uh, a cisgendered man mm-hmm. fuck a trans man in his pussy? Yeah. Or would you rather? <laughs> Or would you rather watch a trans woman uh-huh. fuck a cisgendered woman in her pussy with her penis? Honestly, I, once I, I heard I gotta, Omri I gotta, say uh, pussy, I was just out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm done. Uh, uh, I, I got to go trans man into the cis woman because at least there's there's going to be four boobs there, right? So, I mean, you know, four, four, it's, it's, you know, it's... Uh, it's genitalia ratio. I'm going to go with the ratio of uh, either way I'm seeing a, a piece of deal. You know what I mean? So I'm going to have to go with the four boobs, I guess. Hey, Omri, any good questions? <laughs> Instead uh, of playing, we have a, we would have you a... rather? <laughs> I'm sorry, is that what we're doing here? We have a question. This one's from our old friend, uh, Runway Slav, who apparently has a job with healthcare somewhere. Nice. And he says that. I appreciate in... his dedication to the program. Yeah, love Runway Slav. Shout out to Runaway Slav. Yeah, shout out. He says that when he looks at um, healthcare providers, often their like mission statement says to regain the public trust in the healthcare system. So the question is, is it too far gone? What would you do now to bring back the trust of the public in the healthcare system that we currently have if you can? That's a great question. That's a great question. I'll tell you what. First of all, how about they just stop lying and take some accountability at some point? Like, that was the whole point with this amnesty thing, you know? And, and they were trying to get out in front when they knew this news was coming out, that they were wrong about everything for years. And if they were even actually wrong, because they knew they were wrong years ago, and they were still gaslighting us because it made them very powerful. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I was talking to Mickey about this the other day, and this was a, a very difficult thing for me to say. But I'll share it with the audience because I think it's true and maybe people are, are have something like this in their life as well. I love my mother to death, 
my mother is the most important person in my life. But if we were in a situation like Australia, where there were COVID lockdown camps, and I tested positive for COVID, and I refused to go to the camp, I am almost certain my mother would turn me in. For what reason? I think that because she, she believed like it would get it would help you. I think that she would think that she is so ingrained that authority is to be obeyed, and that the government are the good guys, and that you know I'm just some rebellious kid that doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about. She would be thinking she would be saving me from me. She would send me to that camp as a political dissident, thinking it was what's best for me. I really honestly believe that. So. What, what does this have to do with that question? I'll tell you. I don't know if there can be trust again for those of us who lost as much as we did. For those of us that lost work, friends, loved ones, people died. And we were lied to and we were bullied. And we were, this wasn't just like a thing where people just didn't know what was happening, Mick. They, they shut people down while they let their political minions march through the streets. They knew right away that this wasn't the deadly thing that they were telling everybody else was. Don't forget, Nancy Pelosi was going into the shops that she shut down to get haircuts. Chuck Schumer was sharing bottles of champagne with people in the streets while there was supposed to be a deadly... So it was for everyone else to follow. That's right. Rules for thee. And it was a political takeover. And it's a coup. And let's not act like it's not. You can act like maybe it was a necessary coup. You can act like, well, Donald Trump was the worst guy ever and we needed to save the country. That's the new narrative. We had to save democracy by not adhering to democracy. I don't. I don't think that that was necessary. I don't think censorship is ever the tool of the good guy. Um, And I think what happened in Canada is the whole reason why the Second Amendment needs to be held on to with the, the... tightest grips that we have how their their own courts yesterday and for the six canadian fans that we have just ruled that it was constitutionally okay for them to seize the bank accounts of those peacefully protesting truckers so now the government can seize your money if it doesn't like what you're saying about it it the government there's legal precedent in a western democracy that the government can shut off your money supply your money, your personal assets. That's not the government's, it's yours. It's the hours of your life that you've accumulated through your work. And the government can seize that because it doesn't like what you're saying? It's a very dangerous precedent, man. So to go back to that question, I don't know if there can ever be trust again. And I don't know if there ever should be trust again. But there definitely can't even be an apology. There can't be any forgiveness whatsoever unless there, there's some acknowledgement of what happened. They won't even acknowledge that they did this stuff. Have you heard a single apology from one Karen? Have we heard one person go, I was a little bit, I was this stuff was a little bit crazy. You know what? I'm a little ashamed. I don't think these people are capable of shame. So why should we give them forgiveness? And why should we give them trust? My rant. Yes, the Gerard 15-minute... Uh Political rant. Your how thoughts. are you feeling now, buddy? A little ang- a little angst. My thoughts. Um, how about them fights this weekend? No, I want your thoughts on this. You live through weekend. it too. What are your thoughts? How about them fights this weekend? Really, you have no thoughts whatsoever. Gerard, you just said a whole lot. 
I, I, I don't. I mean, yeah, there. I, 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 I agree with what you said for the most part, for sure. Should there? Should we have trust? In I don't. Our I don't. I mean, it hasn't been proven to for any reason why we really should, which is unfortunate. It's, it's, it's sad. But uh, do you think our? Government I don't know. I don't know if you could believe the like the 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 current rain, and I don't know when it, what a n- new rain would that would make you like start trusting them. Like you I think like. Uh, Homeboy up in Florida, DeSantis is like he seems like a pretty uh, I, s- straight shooter, and seems like he, he a lot of his stuff is pretty logical. But you know, I I don't know the duty. I don't know the dude. Yeah, all these uh, you know chosen you, representatives is is kind of tough. Give it time, right? You die the hero, you become the villain, right? So let me ask so, you very specific to Mickey Gall. Do you trust our government? Do you think our government's telling you the truth? When you say our government, are you talking about federal like the media, government. federal government, and the, no, the like federal government, the things that come out of the federal government? Forget the media. The media is bought and paid for completely. It's propaganda and it's a joke. Right. We know that. Yeah. So your question is: Do There's I trust 20, I the believe government? It's 20, I, I think I think it's a lot of times it's it's like what it's like uh, fitting an agenda, so to speak. That it, we're not exactly sure what that is. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. But do you trust what the government's telling you right now? You, no, I don't. I don't. I don't trust anything at just like face value. You know what I mean? What would what would could they do to make you trust them? What could what could big now? In fairness, since I've known I don't, you, I don't know. You don't trust the nutritional stuff that we've been told. You you know, there's well, there's just there's yeah, there's just there's there's other stuff out there. You know, there's I, yeah, that's not the the food pyramid is not the is not the way. Yeah, I don't even think that this is a controversial statement, right, Omri? What 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 was the the uh, the numbers you sent me? Twenty six percent of all Americans. 26% of all Americans trust the media? Yeah, that was 26% of all people trust the news media just across the board, both like CNN and Fox together. All like accumulated number of people who trust any mainstream media. Source. So one in four people. So three out of four people don't trust what they're being told. All right. That's a really dangerous thing because now we have more access to information than ever before in the history of our species. And 75% of the people don't trust any of it, right? And it makes you almost wonder who the fuck those those 25% are. Right, that are just following everything? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Anyway, our friends fought this week. <laughs> Why does this bother you to talk about it? It doesn't bother me. It's just I don't, I don't, I, I yeah, I, do I do I trust the government straight up? Of course not. Mm-hmm. You know that. Like, it's, uh, you'd be, I think you'd be silly too. I think the 26% who just take everything and, Yes. Okay. Yes. Th- yeah. I think they're crazy. I don't. I don't. I couldn't even begin to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can understand uh, how uh, Josh Watson uh, knocked out your homeboy. <laughs> oh, old Greg Hardy. I thought Hardy. Th- look, it was the second round. Those He's boys, a beast, man. Both those, those boys, guys. Are, those are that's some big boys. Hey, listen. You know what, man? This this kind of bothers me about the fight game in general, and this goes back to media being shitty, real shitty. They throw they throw that clip out there and they show that that little check left and Greg down on the ground with his hands up in the air and it's like oh man what happened to Greg Hart these are two guys banging yeah Josh Watson's been around banging yeah he's a stud second round these guys were out there throwing hammers at each other and that's yeah. you know you you throw that one punch up there and it's like to me that's so misleading it's like trash it's like half of half of this yeah is, this is a highlight you know it's just uh it's you can't it's hard to squeeze without role in the whole fight yeah you got to watch the whole fight you want to get the full story but yeah, but they could cut it in a way where they could show the exchange i think there's a lot of shout and freud in the in the fight game and the fight fan shout and freud yeah shout and freud my favorite word you know it yeah i know it shout and freud but not everybody does so 
I think the Gas Digital audience is, an, uh, is, an, no. is a loquacious audience. Yeah, ben, shout- you know what Schadenfreude means? And Ben's ben, so smart. Ben, what's Schadenfreude mean? Give it a shot. From Context Clues. Comeuppets? Comeuppets? Kind of, yeah. Kind of. It's, it's Nah, so you get joy out of someone you, else's, you, like, uh, sadness. Yeah. Yeah, you I guess, get, you yeah. get joy watching someone else fail. It's like, yeah, somebody else's struggles. I think that there's a I think big, there's a lot of that in the world. Yeah, definitely in the fight. I think uh, there's just world, as many people who are like, ooh, what a cool, what a cool hook. And they're like, damn, that's a big shot. Just yeah, as lo- many people are like, like, look at that pussy can't losers, take it left. Losers like that would like to see someone uh go broke. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like the people who watch NASCAR just for the uh the crashes. Yeah, kinda. You yeah. know, that's they want they want to see the wreck. Yeah. You know, everybody who watched Evil Knievel for 60 years because they wanted to be there when the wipeout happened. Yeah. You know, there's that schadenfreude aspect to your business that, you know. It, that's a, it's, I think it's a part of life. A yeah. big part of life, yeah. You think a lot of people watch? Well, I guess so. I guess that's kind of the idea of the NFL is like Even in football, they're, somebody. They're, you saw how – and we, we got no love for the Cowboys. No love. You saw how, like, all those, like, memes just about Dallas. Oh, no. Like, just about how, like, who who's Dallas playing next sure. week? Oh, no one? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all just all those, like, memes hating on them. You're so right. I almost like watching the Eagles lose more than I wa- like watching the Giants win at this point. Schadenfreude. 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 Aw. Aw. Yeah. Did, you, did you not think that was a penalty? Aw. <laughs> did you not think you should call that? Old Bradbury. Aw. Aw. Giants. Stole. We send over Tony for the big, uh, Kadarius Tony for yep. the big kick return. Yep. We help young, the Chiefs. Young Joker. Yeah. Biggest kick return. You think it's punt return in NFL history? You're welcome. I like when uh, I think Collinsworth said if he had to pick one player in the NFL to play tag. a game of tag, yep. he'd pick Kadarius Tony. Yeah. Boy can move. Boy, he's a jitterbug. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a whole different level of athleticism, that stop and go stuff, you know? Yeah. But anyway, yeah, sh- shout out Josh Watson. He's, uh, he's a real one. Been doing the thing for a while. Got a nice – his first big fight against uh, – Beast like Greg Hardy, yeah. I mean that's a, I mean that's a serious serious left bare knuckle man. Like yeah, dude, those are big boys. Those are big boys throwing hands. Those are big boys. You know, the, it's not like the the four ounce gloves are offering much protection, right? But there's just something about seeing bare. Yeah, I think knuckle. it's more to like almost like protect your hands. That's what I've knuckles. read. I've read it's yeah. more to protect the actual the puncher, not the person getting punched. Yeah, but there's just something. Yeah, about that's why that's why people only started dying in boxing when they introduced boxing gloves, and that's also why the old school fighters stand like in a weird karate stance because they were protecting the body more than they were protecting the head. Cause bare knuckles, mm. like you will break your hand on someone's jaw. So they were yeah, going the mostly for their body. Especially. Yeah. Turn that so, head down. Yeah. So once they started implementing gloves in uh, boxing, people started dying because people started going for the head. So Amr, you've been wanting to talk about the Islam uh, weight cutting IV thing. I did, yes. Right. What are your th- uh, thoughts on it? My thoughts are that Dan Hooker uh, might have something to what he says, uh, and also I've seen pictures of Islam, and he has bruises on his on his vein on one of his arms. Uh, but I've also seen reports that might that might have been taken a lot earlier, and that was for a blood test for USADA. I would not be surprised since the Dagestanis are notorious for cutting way too much weight so for people that don't understand what's going on mick when you're talking about the weight cutting thing is this the idea that they're so you're you're not under like the usada and the ufc rules you're not allowed to like do an iv to after you 
because like all us guys when you we dehydrate fight, yourself. we dehydrate yep. like you know like viciously get to like oh, sometimes almost like death's door and then you have to like hydrate and eat and you know you have like let's say like i don't know like 36 hours to get back by fight time from after you weigh in right or probably even less than that yeah or like 24. 32 nah because you weigh in in the morning you don't fight in the morning you fight at night so okay it's it probably somewhere around 36 but you're not you're not allowed to like go like taking bags of of ivs but that's what Hooker accused Islam of. But I don't know how they. I don't think they can prove it. Like people were saying, like, oh, it's gonna have a two year suspension and give up the have to give up the belt, blah blah mm-hmm. blah. I don't think they can really prove it. Is that a common practice? Um, I think it used to be, but I don't think uh, now people. You know, you people are scared to get in trouble like that. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, like, what are like what are the I, I've heard. So I know, like, what, what weight cutting is weird too. Like, um, so for the most part, you want to like. So guys will go in at like let's say you're fighting at for me like fighting at like 170 I'll be like 185 fight week some guys will be even more some guys will be 90 like at the highest I've ever done I was like 189 going into fight week and there's and cra- crazy stories about Anderson Silva walking around at like 220 225 and fighting 185 yeah right? so and you just got to put it's yeah it's kind of like the same amount like guys will be 180 fighting at 55 too which is like. You know, it's a is, lot. That, that's a really old school wrestler mentality. Do you think that that's still beneficial? Do you think it's beneficial to go down? I don't know. I I I think so a little bit since you have the time to replenish and stuff. So then you could be bigger and stronger on the fight day. But at the same time, you there's a certain spot where you can tax yourself too much, and that you won't you won't you'll be a shell of yourself. Yeah. If you overdone if you overdo it. Do you do you think that cutting that much weight, guys who have bad cuts, you hear about people all the time, like, you know, somebody didn't show up on fight night and he had a bad cut, he had mm-hmm. a rough camp. Does does cutting that much weight affect the way that you can train for the fight? Not no. You it would it's because you can then support your training by eating, you know, all the carbs and eating as much as you want to uh support the output. By, you know, having a big input, by putting a lot of calories and food in you, you could then train harder. Mm. But then you have to, like, that on that fight week, you're basically, like, ju- you're just... And some people, j- their end of camp could be, if they're b- very heavy before, they, it could just be all about weight management. Where you're not even working on, like, your skills and stuff like that. So it's, you know, there's kind of a, a f- like, a fine line of, like, cer- like where, where that sweet spot is. I know, personally, like, I've, I've passed out cutting weight. That's um, crazy. I've had I had kidney failure in one fight. You had kidney failure. Yeah, when I fought Diego, I botched my weight cut, and I after like a like a one minute into the fight, I could barely like stand on my feet. Ooh. Like I barely had balance. And I know I had a friend who had a who lost a fight this weekend who had like uh, kidney issues. Like I know a lot of guys are like have like pulled out because they they were able to realize they had kidney failure like beforehand. Was that like a hydration issue or like what? Yeah, like sometimes it, it it could be anything. I think I had like a like a I was like a little sick, and I think my body was like either like was like kind of maybe worrying about dealing yeah. with that, and then it wasn't worried about the rehydration process as much. But I know like just you know sitting in the in the sauna for like too long, like being like all right, just do ten minutes. I was like I can do twenty easy. Yeah. And then I stand up and I was like you get like a head rush and like yeah, you're like really, put you're myself really down there. You're, yeah. like, really on the – I've heard some insane stuff. And the guy's almost, like – especially guys with that old-school wrestler mentality, they almost, like, wear it like a badge of honor. Like, there was one guy who talked about, you know, wanting to get a pint of blood taken out of him. Like, like it was Yeah, I don't know about that, but I know there's definitely uh, – Taking I mean, enema and then shit. You, yeah, like, yeah. 
and y- we can't take like diuretics and stuff like that that would help people like dehydrate and stuff. But none of that's just good for you. Yeah, you know, and none of it's good for you. Fighting's not really good for you. you it's know a, it's I mean? an Think extreme sport. Fighting's not really good for you. Yeah. Neither is cutting weight and doing all that shit. But you know, uh, and it, yeah, I mean, uh, our buddy Phil Heath was talking about the um, like peaking and stuff like that. How they they can mess with people, and those guys are down to like three percent body fat, and if they yeah. If they try to hold on, they can like they can maintain that for the the five minutes on stage, right? And then they have to rehydrate immediately. Yeah, they probably feel like shit. Yeah, and it, like they'll the body will seize up, like they won't be able to walk. Like the bo- you're sure. literally pushing the body to its limit of functionability, right? Yeah. So, uh, I think as adults, look, you guys are pros. That's fine. I get a little weary about the precedent that sets for the for the for the kids, you know, like. I like the fact that AFL is big and Pop Warner's kind of not anymore because this idea of taking a 15-year-old and sucking him out to 103 pounds so you can win a national championship, you know. In, in yeah, I had to lose weight for Pop Warner as a kid. To play against 12-year-olds? I mean, like, that's... There was yeah, guys play that, against kids my own age. <laughs> that was... Just because there was, like... there's Otherwise, you, just you like, couldn't play. Yeah. So I had to, like, run the track in the morning and shit. I had to lose, like, 14 pounds. You could have played like in the freak league in Perth Amboy with me. Yeah, I wish I did. Yeah, it was good. That yeah. was good football. But, you know, there's kids that are mat rats. There's a kid I went to high school with. He was 103 pounds all four years of high school. There's no way you can tell me that that was good for him. Yeah. There's no way. Well, yeah. Like I said, man, it's, it's not good for you. Cutting weight's not good for you. We know that. But... You know, I don't think. Mick, then I, I have a question for you, Mick. Yo, uh, if weight cutting is not good for you, why don't you fight at middleweight, which is like five, ten pounds away from your walk around? Um, well, it's it's almost like a like a, a vicious cycle thing for me to fight the people like my size, and for me to have the most advantage because of the like the precedent of every that we all like kind of cut weight. That I, you know, I think. And I think one day I, pr- I probably would fight at that. Um, but for now, like, I can make 70 easy enough. And uh, where I don't, like, I don't, I don't need, it's not like I'm, I'm like, really on death's door. You know what I mean? But that's, it's, that's just where, that's just kind of the way it is. That's, that's kind of the way it is. If I, you know, if I was 20 pounds heavier, then I probably would uh, fight a weight class up, you know? Do you think there should be more weight classes or less? I think it'd be cool if there was more. more. I think they, they did every 10 pounds. Yeah, that like, would make sense. Like, we got 25, 35, 45, 55, and then we go 70, 85, 205. Mm-hmm. So, if we if we could and, – and those best weight classes are, like, 55, 70. That's where, like, most like men yeah. kind of are. So, if, yeah, if you did 55, 65, 75, so you add you, – I mean, I guess you're basically adding one in there. You're turning 70 to 65. And then uh, you add a 75. There'd be more title fights. There'd be more There'd intrigue. be more crossover yeah. fights. Yeah, like more super fights, all that. It's boxing does that, right, every 10? Boxing, I think, does even less. Every seven? Yeah. yeah. And that's, I think they wanted, the UFC wanted to stay away from that, where there's, like, you know, champions that you don't even know. But I think the way the UFC is now, like. There's not four belts. Know. It's not like the WBA. And yeah. The, you know, like, Lomachenko's carrying around six belts, and you're like, what? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's going yeah, on? Yeah, there's like four belts yeah, for he's, each. He's the uh, 45 in the WNBA. He's the 55 in the, in, the, in the NASCAR. He's the, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think I think that'd be cool up to like, I mean, and then it gets at the top, it's like like 205 isn't that deep of a weight class. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know where the where the best line for it is. I always thought a cruiserweight would be cool, like a is, 225. Well, I was going to ask, is there a benefit to being smaller or, in your and what weight about class? And no, what about a no weight class? Well, like I, those I guys, like open, look, open look at class. like a guy like Greg Hardy, yep, and guys like Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. 
and plenty of other people had to cut weight to make heavyweight because yes. you can't beat you have Derek to beat Lewis. 265. Yeah. There should 100% be an open class. I think, I the think butter so being too. class. I know? think so too. And then you have crossover fights between the heavyweight and like the super heavyweight or the yeah. open weight, whatever you want to call I'll it. I'll tell you what, you, what you'd get immediately is you'd get more crossover athletes from football and from like these guys that walk around at 310, 315 that don't want right. to cut down to 265. Though. For whatever reason, though, those weight classes seem to be pretty top heavy, and I think it's because like the uh, like nor- normal people size, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, like uh, you know, like the one fifty fivers. That's why that's a, and one forty five is a deep division because those guys walk around at like one seventy, one eighty, yeah. which is like what most like normal males, athletic males, would probably weigh. Yep. You know, I think a lot of guys, especially lower weight classes, they you know, there's respect for the heavyweights. But they like they stick their nose up at them a little bit, like they're not really, they're not really in good cardio. They don't have oh, good you're technique. You're just big. Yeah, you are. He's just big. He's just big. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's just you know, Derek Lewis is just big. All right. Well, go find him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah. Yeah. I don't. I don't agree with that. If 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 that is a thing, you know. Yeah, maybe it's. A I think. I think the he- heavyweight's the best. Is like the best uh, weight. That's the like I say. That's the true. Baddest, baddest man on the planet is the heavyweight champ. Sports are better when there's a badass heavyweight champ. Mm-hmm. When if John Jones is, is if John Jones goes out and busts up Cyril Gunn, UFC is gonna get a, gonna get some serious juice from that. Yeah, you know, like like heavyweights. I mean, even look at boxing. Nobody gave a shit about boxing until Tyson Fury and and Deontay Wilder brought it back a little bit. Like, yeah. look, and that's no and that's no disrespect to, you know, Triple G or Canelo or or Mayweather. Like these guys are all-time greats, but you have to really be a fight fan. You got to really be somebody that's a fan of of the sweet science to be like, I'm going to sit here for 60 minutes, you know, and watch jab jab check hook run jab jab yeah. you know there's some I mean? there's some uh hot fights at the in like around like the 130 to 139 tank. area in boxing yeah you got uh tank javante davis you got uh haney you got t uh crawford garcia pretty boy. um yep uh yeah, there's a lot of guys yeah. shakur stevenson yep north new jersey oh shakur yeah and He's I a like beast. Can- and i like canelo i like canelo like i'm not He's like a young mayweather yeah but there's nothing like there's just nothing like watching the big boys bang, yeah. If they'll bang, yeah. You know, like there was nothing back in the day like watching, you know, Tyson Holyfield. The guy parachutes yeah. in. That was Riddick Bowe. Yeah. Riddick Bowe was badass, man. Yeah. Riddick Bowe was a bad dude. Yeah. Who was the other guy? They had a uh, TNT Thompson, man. All forgotten, forgotten heavyweight. You know, took uh, Lennox Lewis to. He took Lennox Tyson. Lewis. He took Tyson. God. I think Lennox, and Lennox Lewis is one of the best heavyweights ever. I agree. Avenged all his losses, I yep. believe. And his losses his really only came sweet. because he didn't give a shit about training for those fights. You think? He admits it. He was like, he was filming a movie for one really? of them. Really? Yeah, he was filming Ocean's that. Eleven for one of them. What? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, I, I trained for like that. two weeks for this fight. Yeah. Because he was filming Tyson Ocean's did 11. a little bit of that too. Kind of like, like uh, maybe out of like conceit a little bit and just living the good life, you How know? How could you not? Yeah. Everybody has, trap, a bad, every, everybody has a bad day at work, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he might have the clap when he lost to Buster Douglas. I don't know. Something like yeah, that. that's, what, well, that's what he said. He had gonorrhea, I think. Yeah. And he was like, I was, I was, all I kept thinking about was I was burning. I had to pee. <laughs> so, you know, big fight in yeah. Japan. Just get this over with. Get my check and go. Yeah. Yeah. Can't. I've never had that bad of a day at work. Yeah. You no. Know. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably haven't. Never had that bad. boot off of stage. That. Uh, You've been booed off stage. I've never been booed off. off. I've never been booed off stage. The worst I've ever had was at Helium in Philly. Um, I almost quit. I probably should have quit after this. 
uh, it was like a pro-am show. It was like one of those things where it's like they'll bring like three bringers and then have two like guys that are good. One in the you know one in, one hosts one in the middle and one closes it out and then everybody else is a bringer and it was a tough show. And uh, they were heckling uh, these guys bad. And I got up and I'm like, I got into the crowd pretty good. I did all crowd work and I was getting. You thought you were about to be Bill Burr? Kind of did, <laughs> kind of did, but they didn't boo me. They didn't laugh. They just sat there and start in silence, staring at me. And uh, I made a couple Ferguson jokes, and I thought that they were clever. They didn't, uh, you know. Anyway, so they uh, they came up after they, you know, like two guys came up after at the bar after the show, and they were like, "Yo, you're pretty funny, white boy." And I was like, well, "Why didn't you fucking laugh, man?" They're like, "Nah, nah, our girl." I made a joke about uh, Ferguson had just happened, and I, you know, I'd made some sort of dumbass joke about how. You know, the problem isn't cops. The problem is there's not enough fat white women cops. Nobody likes black men more than them. Like that would be, you know, if we really want to, you know, racial harmony, like all the cops should be, you know, 300-pound white bitches. And you got crickets? Yeah, in, re- in retrospect, <laughs> probably probably was a bit too soon. Yeah. Maybe maybe didn't read the room properly. Yeah. Maybe it was just a poorly crafted joke. Whatever. Shouldn't have let off with it, that's for sure. And then there was no... <laughs> <laughs> there was no yeah, it's coming in hot. There dude. was no coming back. Yeah, I, I was like, this is an antagonistic audience. I'm going to show them I'm not afraid. Yeah. Maybe I should have made a joke instead. Yeah. Hey, well, you live and you learn. You know? Yeah, that's how you learn, pal. That's how you learn. Yeah, that was, jeez, uh, how long ago was Ferguson? Jeez. That had to be like seven years ago already. That was a long time. So when was this that you got uh, silenced off the stage? That was it. They just gave you the silent treatment? Yeah, I said when, though. It was right after Ferguson happened. Oh, so how okay. long ago was that? Got to be a long time ago. Yeah. That one great. Yeah, that one didn't make the internet. Not not putting those clips up. Nah. <laughs> those clips don't go up. You got some shit coming up, though? Yeah, I got shit in in uh, April, and then uh, I got something at the end of March. April. But, I mean, are you, you're going to put some uh, some footage out there? Yeah, yeah, I got, but it's, I, you know, still waiting on the editor. Then I, you're going to have to make new jokes, right? Yeah, yeah. I got I got all the, the stuff the right that we did. New bits. I did this in not and did this in November. So I'm wondering if, if any of the shit's still gonna be relevant. But it's just got to get out there. It looks yeah. good. The editor's been taking forever with it, but I'm I'm ex- I'm excited for people to see it. Do you good. yell about politics for 15 minutes? I get, I go back and forth. Yeah. You gotta you gotta win them over a little bit first. And you then make a couple sillies. You make a you know like hey, hey, check out little fat guy does stuff. <laughs> are, are, are we all having a good time? So let me talk about the geopolitical fucking dangers that we face in a, yeah. w- in a way that's both ascertainable and uh, entertaining. Yeah. Oh, that's not going over well? So relationships, am I right, you guys? Talk to me like I'm a seventh grader. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, make that a fifth grader. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. They're not ascertaining properly. They're not ascertaining properly. Listen, here's the, here's the trick to comedy, all right? And this Listen, is, guys, here it is. This is just the truth of it. I'm going to give you the trick to comedy, all here right? Here it is. Win over the women first. That's it. That's it. Win over the women. Get on stage and get make, make sure the women... Find the table of women and make sure that they like you within the first two jokes. Disarm them. That's it. Then then you can carry... Because if they don't like you... Look, if I tell Mickey a joke and he doesn't like it, he'll roll his eyes. But he won't try to ruin the rest of the show for me. If you tell a joke and these horrible wenches don't like it, they'll go out of their way to make sure everybody else is having is? a bad time. Huh? Why do you think that is? Well, we let him out of the kitchen, Nick. And that was a big problem. Like, you know, our founding fathers on President's Day, they were trying to be like, you let these motherfuckers vote? <laughs> what happened here, Ben? What happened so, here? Huh? So, Jay, how do you win over women when you obviously hate them? 
self-deprecation. Women, women like uh, they don't want you taking yourself too seriously, yes. or thinking you and think it's also, too highly of yourself. Yeah, and there's stylistic, there's stylistic ways. Like it's, you know, the biggest, you know, the the biggest hack trick in the world is to you know do something that makes you look gay or sound gay. Women love all things gay. They love it. Like if Donald Trump, if you if you read Donald Trump's, I bet uh, you could just kind of smile and wink and. Was that how it goes for you? Enough. Yeah, probably. Is that a, yeah? yeah, you just give him like a nice little smile and a wink and. That's that's TikTok charming. There's t- TikTok comedy. It's amazing. All the biggest comedians on TikTok. Just no, I feel like you can like say like a terrible, good-looking terrible thing, old guys. but if you like kind of smile and wink at the end, they kind of like like yeah, you, know, you can. Well, here. so you get you can get progressively more. Um, edgy with the set if you win them over first if you get them on your side first you can you can keep pushing and pushing and pushing and yeah and then there's that wink and we're kind of flirt it's like there that energy is a really good show if they'll let you go then you're having a great show there's definitely something to that that ca- that charisma will carry you but early on you know you you know you use the term disarm them kind of you know you're going especially if you're like kind of like you know, a bigger, aggressive-looking person. If you if your set is very confident, if you're not going up there looking meek, you know what I mean. Like, you know, if you have kind of like, you know, who's that fucking, who's this fucking guy? Energy, you know what I mean. You gotta kind of like wink and nod it a little bit, you know, like or just gotta own it and just jezel Nick dice clay the shit out of it and just fucking go. Yeah. And don't relent, you know, Bill Burr. Don't relent. Why is it so fucking quiet in here? You know, and then that becomes part of the bit, but that's a tough one for comics starting out because you're not going to get 45 minutes to dig yourself sure, out you're of that gonna hole. Not going to be those guys from the jump. Yeah, you got you got your 10 minutes. You, you got to go up, and first one is, you know, make fun of yourself, make fun of men, and then talk about you know how evil these wenches are after that. But you got to get those first two out first. Get get yourself at least three laughs for the gram, guys. All right, young comics starting out, get yourself. If you got ten minutes, you do one for them. You finish with your closer, and then the middle is new material. And if one of them hits, you got a viral video. Boom, go, rinse, repeat, go up on another stage. You heard that, Omri? Oh yeah, I, I heard that. All right, we got any more questions or yeah, comments let's, from let's, the chat? Let's go let's, to the let's, chat. Let's, that's what, you know, we live, baby, Four and we're minutes. hitting a little bit of a lull. Hitting a little bit of a lull. <laughs> Uh, I have a question from the chat. G, have you ever heard of the uh, basketball player, the Irish Shadow? The Irish Shadow is that Brian Scalabrini? I don't know. Is that it's is not that Mac is, McClung? Is, is it, it Mac McClung? It's Nico Mannion. No, I, I don't know that him. guy. I don't know that guy. What about him, Mommy? Is that it? I'm trying to I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, Right. Italian. Why? He's Italian. They call him the Irish Shadow. That's already <laughs> okay. Yeah, the Irish Shadow. Well, the Greek freak is Giannis Akintempuko. I think that's how you say the last name. Did I say that correctly? I have no idea. Akintempuko. I just call him Giannis. Giannis. Yeah. What else we got in the chat? When we get to, what do you think, guys? When we get to three thousand subs, we'll start doing call-ins. How's that sound? Three thousand. Pony up for the call-in tech. Yeah, I'm with it. All right. What do you got, Omri? Cool. Good talk. I, get, I got a Yeah. Go. Somebody. Yeah, who's hitting us with this? And three. I thought Ben had a question. Yeah, I got a question for you. Uh, G, um, if someone were to go ahead and boo you off the stage, mm-hmm. how would you go about, like, what would you, what would you do? 
I want to know. Yeah, I would think your microphone should be louder than their booze, huh? Yeah, I, I don't think I would leave. I'm not fucking leaving. Um, if I got booed off stage, like, and can and booed off means you're you you go off. Yeah, like you so leave. I, I got a I got a clip that I can post. San Antonio of last year, I made a joke about why I was happy that Betty White died, and I got booed mercilessly by the crowd for it. But then I circled all the way back to. Um, it's because I got hit by the old person driving the car, and I got a standing ovation for the end of the joke. So that was that was a pretty solid moment. Uh, I can't so you lie. Won that them was, over. Yeah, yeah. I you know, it was the second show on a on a Saturday night. It was a big room. I may or may not have had a few beers in me for the second show, and I was like, uh, yeah, uh, what do we think about Betty White? And I was like, she's a national treasure. Sure. And I was like, <laughs> was past tense. <laughs> <laughs> Ari Shafir is good at that. Yeah, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a good one. That that one I literally got booed, but it was playful and I was able to win him back over. You know, there's nothing better than applause break. An applause break is the the comic home run. Yeah. There's nothing better than telling a joke and you hear the laughs and then they get that second wave of laughter and then people clap and like because they're recognizing not only it's funny, but it's like it's brilliance kind of too. And it's just a good room. Like the room is good. The energy's good. Like when you get an applause break as a comic, like that's the closest thing to, like I said, hitting a home run you can have. It's just like, ah, uh, yeah, let me embrace this. I'm going to I'm gonna walk over. I'm going to walk over to the table, get myself a sip. I'm going to look at, act like I'm looking at my next joke. But really, I'm just like, come on, keep it You're coming. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Soak it up. Oh, give me that validation. Oh, give me that Sweet, sweet validation. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff. Can't wait for it to happen to me. Yeah, <laughs> one of these days, bro. <laughs> you just keep chugging. Just keep, keep chugging and plugging. Just keep you know chugging what I mean? away, bro. Omri, what was I the got a, well, Go ahead. I got, a, I got a question for Mickey. This is from C-Dumps. And that is, uh, Mickey, have you ever thought about doing stand-up? No. It's not true. No, I've never thought of doing stand-up. I'm going to get you, I'm gonna I get could, you to host. I could, I could think about it and be like, fuck that. But that's that's not not actually doing it. I I think you'd be all right, man. Nah. Yeah. I don't know. That's that sounds that's almost more uh, intimidating than standing across a trained killer having oh, to fight him. It's it's you. It's you versus you. Yeah. yeah. You, you you can't you can't blame that guy. You know you can't be like ah you know he's a pro too. Yeah. You just no, gotta it's go just there. You <laughs> you gotta you're just armed with your wit and your jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, who do you think nah. would who do you think would do better, Mickey in front of the Apollo or G fighting for a world title in the heavyweight division of the UFC? Who are you asking me? Both of you. I'd probably do better. I think we'd both do well for about thirty five seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's about. I think that's, that's, that's a good answer. I think, I think that's a good answer. I, I think we would both. I think we'd both We would both. Uh, what do they say? You uh, with uh, you. Oh man, what's the word? Not compose. You admirably when you like fought hard, you know, right? You, whatever you that word is. Just go for it for yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he uh, he acquitted himself honorably. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd have about 30, 35 seconds of honor. Yeah, yeah. Get one one liver shot and be like, I get paid, right? Yeah, you do. <laughs> I still you made the walk. I still good. get paid. Yep. Yeah, I'm like Evil Knievel. Paid for the attempt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Great Dave Chappelle. So there you go. Like, even Dave Chappelle, man. Like, that. that is the crazy thing about comedy, too, is, like, it sneaks up on you. No matter how 
much you think you, you've got it, no matter how many shows you do in a row. You can do the same material night in, night out. If you don't, you just have an off How night. does that relate to Chappelle? Because he, he's gotten booed off stage. He got, he got booed off stage, so so uh, he's the greatest probably to ever do it. And, you know, he got booed off stage, and he turned it into one of his best bits. That's the way to do it. When he does that, when he talks about Detroit, how he got high with the rappers, and then he goes out there, and he was, like, forgetting his punchlines. Now, that has happened to me. Kind of happened to me at the Getting stand. high with the rappers? Kind of happened to me at the stand a little bit. Why I was so pissed off. Like, you had, like, a little bit too much to drink. You know, you're not, you're yeah, not like, on not your edge. You're not sharp. You don't give your punchlines. You know, like, it, you know, maybe they don't know, but you know you're blowing it. And you're like, now, the worst that's ever happened to me is sometimes you really have that B-Rabbit moment. And you, like, blank the fuck out. And you're like, wait a minute. I've told these jokes a fucking thousand times. What's what's my next bit here? Yeah. You know, if you ever if you ever see a comic out there like doing crowd work and he's just asking questions or she's asking questions and there's no like bit, they're just buying time for their brain to reboot. So hey, where are you from? Uh, Albuquerque. That's cool. That's cool. What do you do? Oh, you're not accountant. Got an airport there. Cool. Yeah, accountants. Oh, this guy must get laid. Am I right? Uh, anybody else? And they're literally just buying time for their. In like the, trying to in their mind. In their mind, they're like, like, "Come on, restart." Yeah. Restart. Think, 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 think. Unplug, replug, unplug, replug. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing worse than like in the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, and then there, in oddly enough. There's that little part of you that's trying to reboot really badly, like really fast, and then there's another little guy inside your head going, I knew you'd fuck it up. You suck. You shouldn't <laughs> be doing this, you piece of shit. It's about time. It's about time they figured you out, you fucking loser. You fucking fraud. Oh, I tell the same jokes every day. Maybe you should have wrote a joke, you fucking pussy. Like, <laughs> what, how often do you have to write new jokes? I try, to write, I try to write. I try to, well, because of the how much of this is about followers now, Back in the day, you used to come up with a bit, you know, and, I, and it's also different with what you're doing. Like, if I was doing, like, New York sets and I was getting eight minutes at four different clubs, you kind of, like, work on one bit a night. You know, you have, of course, you're, right. you're kind of auditioning at the same time. You can't really go out there and eat shit. Mm -hmm. So you really don't have a lot of leeway to craft new material all you can do is really hone the material that you know works and try to improve where can you try shit then like where's like the gym it's a great question i think i would think so i would have thought that would have been it no a lot of people what about do, doing like an open mic i think it's the where worst you're thing. not getting paid i think it's the worst thing because it's, do it it's, at an open it's mic? negative feedback because the things that are funny in an open mic with a bunch of depressed drunk wannabe comics are not going to be funny to the general public okay. I, I think you get false feedback it depends on what you want to do if like you want to be a part of the cool kid comedy community do a whole bunch of mics and then you'll be a quote-unquote real comic i've been doing mics for 10 years good for you if you want to be an actual like go on the road make money comic like get paid and shit yeah you got to craft material that that the, the public wants to hear right and the public isn't going to open mics you know no no so you don't think that's part of like paying your dues though? I think very stuff that you could that will very translate? very very early on get up get on stage sure, but the advice that I would give to young comics would be run your own show, produce. Mm. It's a pain in the ass. It's gonna filter out everybody because you need uh, you need people to earn their stage time. And they get mad as hell when you ask them to bring or you ask them to help or like whatever, and you see how many of your quote unquote friends will just use and abuse you for stage time and won't bring shit to the table. 
you'll get emails and messages from people asking for stage time and you'll be like, oh my God, this is not the way you should ever send an avail. There's nothing that will help prepare you for dealing with the business side of comedy like running a room. And if you run the room, I would also suggest you host it. A lot of guys do it to close out and call themselves a quote-unquote headliner. Host the room. Go up four times, five times that night. Right. Have good material early and have good material late and then work on new shit in the middle. Yeah, that and makes you know, sense because that's, that's almost like you're getting four matches a night rather than just one. 100%. And, yeah. But there's a stigma about hosting. There's a stigma. You know, there, there's like a lot of, there's a ton of ego in, in the comedy community. And there's a ton of like well, you, small Do you ever see that Kobe Bryant thing where he was talking about he, like when he was uh, like first started playing basketball, he had like a long-term plan in mind. And he, he would, in his games, he'd be wor- like focusing on learn like developing his skill set. Really? Right, so he'd be there'd be kids who would seem much better than him mm-hmm. at like in these games, and then by the time he's like a senior, they they're they're still using the same old tried moves. Yep. Right, and yep. he he's already developed. He's developed his left hand. He's developed his jump shot. His his layup. His move. His his this and his that. Yep. Because he thought long term, and that's the other thing. Like in, because I can relate that to fighting. You, you can be good at something and just try and win your rounds at the gym every time, which is an easy thing to fall into because it's fucking fun. Yes. But you got to also be trying things, too. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Trying things and putting yourself in positions, either like bad positions that you could then turn into like an, an advantageous spot. You know what I mean? But you got to do it by putting yourself there. Like a lot of like, like mo- or most people don't want to in jujitsu go on their back. Yes. And in a fight, you don't want to be on your back. You're going to be better off. On top of someone. If you're on top of someone in a fight, you're winning that fight. Mm-hmm. But if you put yourself on your back enough, you can then uh, develop offense from there where you can either sweep them yep. or you can, you know, submit them right from there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, it's a little bit about having that long-term perspective and those long-term goals. And you could probably, you know, uh, apply that to so many different things other than just, you know, comedy, basketball, or fighting. Totally. And it, but, you know, you create the environment where it's okay to fail. Right, like uh, Kobe Bryant wanted to work on his left hand. Even the great Kobe Bryant first, and it takes know, balls. It takes time to get that left hand because I but guarantee it takes balls to to like fail. You know. Yeah, but you got to be smart about it too, right? Because if you run your own room, you can fail, and it's not going to affect you. And then you can still do the other shows at the at the clubs and stuff like that, where you have to, and but you know what your material works, and you would have cultivated it. You know, so I'm agreeing with you. Creating an environment that is ripe for constructive failure is very, very important, right? Because you don't want to go out and, you know, you're at Gotham and trying out new shit and you eat shit in front of a booker. You, you don't get a second chance at a first impression. Right, that first impression. No, you got, you got to bring it. So yeah. you have to have an environment where you can fail. And a lot of people just frankly don't want to put the work in. Producing a show is a pain in the ass. Getting 20 people to show up to watch you when you're a nobody is a pain in the ass, mm-hmm. you know? Um, you got to just, like, hit up friends or what do you got out there papering, like, handing out flyers and shit? Yeah, and here I am sitting here telling you this, and I know I got to start a room down here in Florida. I know I'm not getting up enough. I know I was rusty when I went up in New York. We got to go back to Mickey's. But Mickey's it, it's a pain in the ass. I, I, I just I kind of don't want to do it. ripe for, for uh, some comedy. I think so. I think all of Fort Lauderdale, there's just there's a terrible scene down here. It's just not good. Yeah. And you know, I I know I can do it the same way I did it in Jersey City with the JC Underground. We we had that room popping, and mm. that that room, I owe whatever success I have to that room and getting up 
there and build. But that room was basically a full-time freaking job, getting that thing going, booking the comics, getting people to come. It was like a 50-person bringer show. Yeah. Uh, you know, people were like, ah, oh, can you bring, hey, can you bring two couples? You know, I don't, I'm not even going to charge them. Just, you got to bring them, all right? Right. I don't know four people. Bro, you don't know four people that want to watch you do comedy? Do something else. I don't yeah. know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Get Can't some get better couples. friends. I, it, it's up to me to bring all 50 people for this room, and then I got to give you my time. Yeah. Why don't I just do 60 here? Yeah. Why don't I just run my special and record it? Like, why, why am I giving you my time? That makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like... So that that's kind of like So if you don't suck, reach out to G <laughs> if you're in South Florida. Yeah, we'll get a room going, man. I, I it's it's really good. It's really uh, there's nothing better than like a hot like you said a workout room, you know. I know a lot of people love the Grizzly Pair. They call it the Dojo cuz it kind of has that comics, for comics, by comics environment. Mm. Um and people can work on stuff and you know, it's very low pressure environment. So that's good. Um, if you're in a, if you're in your city, you know, start it up, man. You know, there's a bar with a basement, <laughs> you know, there's a bar with a basement and a light and a mic, get 20 people. Right. But don't tell jokes in front of five people either. It doesn't do you any good. You got to get, get the room, do the work. Right. I mean, it's, it's kind of the way it is the same. It's no different. Selling tickets for us is, is part of the gig. You know, like I, I tell, I, I've said this on the show probably three, four times. I'll say it another 50 comedy is the reward I get for doing my job. Getting booked and selling tickets is my job. Mm. That's the job. Comedy is the reward I get. It's my commission for doing the job. You know what I mean? So, hey, uh, gee, I got a question for you. Yeah, you've been you've been around the entire U.S. doing comedy. Yep. Where do you think is the best comedy scene? Nashville. Where do you Nashville? Nashville. Why? Why? It's just a fun town. It's a fun environment. It's pretty. It's pretty politically neutral. Um, there's more comedy in LA, but it's very clicky. There's more comedy in New York, but, uh, it's oversaturated and it's very, very, very difficult. New York is a great place to learn comedy. It's like comedy college. But once you've come up through those clubs and you were a bringer and open micer, those clubs will only ever see you as a bringer and an open micer. It was very, very, very hard for you to rise organically through the New York or the LA comedy scene. Whereas if you, you know, went to Nashville, you can get up in these multiple rooms and there's tons of people there and you can do some serious time and you can put some tape out on the internet and get a hundred thousand fans. And then once you have a hundred thousand fans, LA will book you tomorrow, you know? So it's, um, getting up is the most important thing. Getting the tape is most important. Second, most important thing. You have to have eyeballs on you. That's all anybody gives a shit about anymore is what you're following is and how many views you have. So the internet is way, way, way more important. So if you have an environment where you can get up often enough to get some good tape on the internet um, and they're, they're good rooms and they're hot rooms and it's not empty rooms and it's not a room full of comics that refuse to laugh at anybody but themselves, it, you, th your tape is just going to be that much better. Um, Columbus, Ohio uh, is really good. Um, it's a much, much, much smaller community, but the Funny Bone in Columbus is an incredible uh, comedy room. And also there's a bunch of smaller college rooms out there. But I, I really, really like Nashville, and I owe a lot of whatever little success I have to Nashville. I also like Jersey City. I don't know what's going on in Jersey City post-COVID, but we, we had a good room going out there. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of other guys that, that do as well now. Um, you know, and that's kind of New York adjacent. But, you know, it's kind of like Mickey was saying before a little bit. It's kind of a make-your-own-destiny thing, right? If you're going the club way, no matter how good you are, 
you're still putting your destiny in the hands of another booker. You're putting your destiny in the hands of getting past and then getting up. And then, you know, if you run your own room and if you, and if you handle your own social media, you can take a lot of this and, and put it in your hands. You can't put it and, all, but you can put a lot of it. And Mick, if, if I had to ask you the same question, like to give advice to people that are kind of like the open micers of MMA, people who are like maybe have a few amateur bouts and it's going fine. How would you recommend that they go about like advancing their career? Let's say I'm, let's say you're talking to you at 21 and you're asking yourself for advice. Um, I mean, I would say if you love it, spend as much time as you can like doing it. Cause you have, there's so much you have to, there's so many skills you have to master between like wrestling, jujitsu, kickboxing, boxing, you know, Muay Thai, all, you know, there's just a lot. So you got to spend as much time doing it for sure. Um, getting around good people is good. Um, or, you know, is important because you got to sharpen your skills against, you know, sharp people. It's like that iron sharpens iron thing. Um, as far as like places that are big, I mean, obviously I, I know, I don't know if New York city is quite what it used to be like, uh, MMA wise. I think the hotbeds are kind of like California, like around the LA area, um, South Florida for sure. You know, there, I mean, there's, there's gyms everywhere now. And as a sports growing, like, so are like the, you know, the gyms and the availability, but like, you know, especially if you, so like the Northeast is going to have really, so there's a lot of great, like, like Pennsylvania, Ohio, like great wrestling like areas. And then you go towards like, like Jersey and New York have like some of the great, like great, like grappling, you know, like, cause you have, you mix that wrestling with the jujitsu, you know? Uh, th- so those are really strong places. But then you could, you can even go to spots like, uh, like Thailand's going to have dope, like kickboxing. They have some good camps out that, there that'd but like be fun you went down to like brazil all, and like thailand and brazil like, and do some jujitsu you know what i mean uh but you can find it all like my my gym here kill cliff has got it all you know it's it's got everything do you think it's wise for guys to take on as many amateur fights as they can before they turn pro i do you do i do i think yeah the more you can the the better you're gonna just get at that skill you know what I mean? Because it's different uh, in the gym versus being actually out there. So, yeah, the more practice you get, the the better you're going to be. So, if you get, like, 15, 20 amateur fights and then go pro, you're already, like, you're already seasoned. You've already, you know, made the walk, done, felt the, the, the jitters, you know what I mean? Felt all the vibes. So, you're going to be a little better suited. When, when does a guy know he should go pro? Like, what's the, and what's the big difference between the two? Um, I mean, it's, everyone's going to be a person to person basis. Like, you know, John Jones is going to be able to go pro sooner than certain guys, guys with like a, like a large, like wrestling, uh, background, you know, could go sooner, but at the same time, like, you know, there's always, there's just, there's just so much to master. So I, that's why I think the best thing to do would just be to spend as much time honing your craft. You know, that's how you're going to get good at anything. Spend as much time on the mats and not doing like, not doing like shit work. Like it's easy to just go in there and spar and roll because that shit's fun. But you got to actually be like, like learning and then drilling like with intention, you know? Well, you, you practicing. As soon as you got to the UFC, you won. So, I mean, you had only had one pro fight before you in the UFC. Yeah. But I'm an, I'm, I'm an anomaly like that. Do you, do you wish you would have had more fights before you went to the UFC? Um, I, I would have been better suited, but, the, um, you know, I've been happy to kind of learn. 
on the at the big show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I know myself enough where I don't. I'm not you know gonna let like the highs get too high and the lows get too low. And I you know if I gotta lose some fights that I would have won had I been like like take LJ. He's like my little brother. Yep. Like I want him to be seven oh eight and oh nine and oh ten and oh, and then you know we'll do contender series or get him in uh, to the UFC or something. Just because it's better off. Like you look at like like Khabib, I think Khabib fought like guys who's like one and four, one and eight, two and twelve, like like yeah, real. Yeah, cr- yeah. You know what I mean? Like like how the boxing way does it really builds people up. But in MMA, it's kind of like two tough guys. Let's get them fighting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's even that's local MMA and that's you know at the highest level as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like there's no really like picking and choosing fights. Like you know. You're really about this they offer you a fight you're like yeah yeah that's just it that's it that's just the way it goes so i but i think with like guys who I, you know who i can uh help i can like i can t- i tell them like yeah let's let's rack up as many fights as we can on you know on the local scene and if and i don't think that's it's a bad method that what could be bad i think he was like 15 and 0 when he got in the ufc sure. He wasn't fighting anyone ever that good, but he was getting reps. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, he kept getting reps at it. He would build, you know, confidence, build, you know, get comfortability with, uh, uh, you know, fighting in the cage. So, you think you should go pro at the local level or amateur for those 10, 15 Am- fights? Amateur at the local level. You could do 15 of both. Okay. You know? You do 15 amateur and then, you, you know, maybe... Ten, if you're like you know making making noise and, and at know, that level you fighting, throwing up some highlights, then yeah, you could you can get in there in ten or less. But you're not fighting two times a year at that level, right? You're fighting. You should more be fighting often. more often. Okay. Just, yeah, like just I, I'd say like once a month or so. Really? Yeah. You would do ten fights in a year, huh? You would do ten fights in a year, amateur? Why not? If you oh. can, yeah. It's hard for them to stay together though, because it's a, a sport where people get hurt and pull out of fights. Like I, I had the team I was supposed to go back to Jersey fighting, uh, well, like next week or so, but his his guy just got pulled out, so now I'm eating that plane ticket. Oof. Yeah. Hang with him. Yeah. No, go, I was going to say about the Khabib thing. The first time that Khabib fought uh, an opponent with any wins on his record at all was his sixth fight. So his first three bouts were against people who were making their de- debut. His third one was against a guy who only lost four fights, and then he had two more people who, who were on their debut. And then his like when he was six and zero, he fought someone that was two and zero. That well, was the first a, time he fought. And that, that's the way like boxers traditionally do it is they come up like fighting tomato cans. You know, if you got a guy who's good, like a, like a, a Mike Tyson, and like you know, what I mean, they're like this guy's good. Like they they kind of and you have good management. They build you appropriately. They'll take you down to like to Mexico. And you know you'll you'll have a bunch of fights down there, and you you really like build, you know. Do you know you, what the term? fight left less than you, what? You know where the term tomato can comes from? I, I've heard it, but I don't remember. It's one of my favorites. Do you know where the term tomato can comes from, Ben Omri? You've already explained it to me, so I can't say that I do without you. It's it's like it's heavy and it looks like it's metal, so it'd be tough, but it's very easily to drop it on the floor. It's very easily dented. It's mm. a it's a fake tough guy. Huh? Yeah, it's the idea. It's very easily dented, but it looks like it's heavy and metal. Yeah. It's the idea of it looks can. tougher than it is. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's like jobbers in wrestling, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So you heard it here first, folks, on Slick and Thick. Omri McGregor calls Khabib a can. 
says this guy. No, nah, he said he fought cans. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this I guy, don't worry, I got you, Omri. So this guy. Yeah, got, I, think, I don't think that's even like controversial at this point. He's a no. cherry picker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, when do you think a management gets involved in this stuff? Do guys in, in your business have management from the jump, or do they? Some, some guys fights? do, but I think in the beginning you should just be like using your friends and, like, the older guys in the gym to be like, hey, can you get me a fight here? Can you get me a fight here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, you just go and fight. And if you're an amateur and you lose, who cares? It, it gets wiped out once you go pro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's where you learn. Interesting. So, yeah, you just go for it. So, Lou, if you want to be a fighter, you go, like, so, so if, what, should you win, like, five, six, seven fights in a row before you go pro? You got, like... Get some sort of yeah, something going. like that. Yeah, something like that. Take your take your L's up, and front. hopefully you have re- real people around you who can like you know tell you like you know, hey kid, like let's hold your horses a little bit, or you get like someone who's gonna you know, or the same at the same rate, be like, hey, I think it's time for you to go pro. Mm-hmm. Some guys might not even be comfortable with it. They're like, oh, it could be like kind of more daunting to them, mm-hmm. you know. And some are gonna be impatient, are gonna want to go pro right away. You know what type of money are our pro fighters making at the local regional level? Not that much. Um, at the local regionals, pro- could be like, a, like a thousand and a thousand. Could be like a nice one would be like a two thousand and two thousand. Wow. Yeah. Some guys are making three hundred and three hundred. Minor league baseball money, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when I say the two numbers, three hundred to show up, which means get in the cage, and then you get another three hundred if you win. How much of that goes to your trainers and your? All depends, but yeah, if, like if you have management who like sets that up, they could take a, you know, fifteen percent. <laughs> if you get, you know, you, your gym fees, your, you know, you got yeah. a lot. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Going in, yeah, there but I, I, that's why I think there's there's uh, similarities between fighting and and comedy because you're doing bringer shows and yep. you know open mics and it's not because you're not doing it for you you're hoping to get somewhere, but you're doing it for the like the love of it, and all, also to develop yourself. You yeah, know what I mean? Totally. You gotta sometimes you gotta eat shit to get get your way up. Word up. Yeah, you gotta yeah. do it. There's no there's no getting around it too. It's it's also very similar in that there's just nothing that's gonna prepare you for getting hit like getting hit, and there's nothing that's gonna prepare you for dealing with that silence like just eating shit. Yeah. Eat shit, get back on stage, and move forward. Getting that's, hit and eating shit. Get hit and eating shit. Yeah. That would, maybe that would be my thirty year old uh my my thirty year old uh. Uh, yearbook quote: Getting hit, and eating shit. Yeah, lift heavy and fuck often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good pre- one. That's pretty much it. Yeah, what do you got, Omri? I uh, uh, just making a note of that to add that to the list of uh, um, fucking merch that we're gonna make alongside uh, eat fruit and don't trust the government. <laughs> drink water and don't trust the government. Drink that's, water and don't trust the government. That's definitely yeah. our first T-shirt. Is drink water, don't yeah. trust the government for sure. Yeah, the other one is uh, eat shit. What was it? Get hit and eat shit? Yeah, uh, eat shit and get hit. Yeah, getting hit and eating shit. Getting hit and eating shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, we got some alpha I advice. We're going we're gonna to finish up on some uh, comments if there's any in the, in the chat. And uh, we came across this, and I wanted, I wanted to have this discussion with Mick, what his thoughts were on this. According to alpha advice, at alpha advice uh, on Instagram, because at Andrew Tate was taken, uh, you have, if you can't fight, have no muscle mass, and are inexperienced with girls, you're subconsciously insecure. Thousands of years ago, you would be picking berries with the females. Your DNA knows deep down you're just a berry picker, not a G. 
So you become a passive-aggressive dork. Thoughts. Men used to settle their differences by fighting and shaking hands backwards. Oh, shaking hands afterwards. I'm sorry. Nowadays, they give each other cold shoulder, passive-aggressive female-like behavior instead. Bunch of quote-unquote men ignoring each other, thinking they got the upper hand. Too many berry pickers in 2023. Thoughts? I mean, there's definitely something to that. But it's also, like we were saying before, we're kind of raised to and uh, like taught in schools to be not to be aggressive, to be, you know, uh, passive and kind of accept it, like ex- accepting of things and not disagreeable. While that's important for us to be aggressive and disagreeable and, you know, all, all those things, not and not you know, sit back and take shit. Yes. You know? Yep. I think that that right there is an important statement that's going to be misused and abused by the wrong people. This I is... I think, yeah, I think that it's a little, it's like, you can't fight and you have no muscle mass and you experience your girls, you, should, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, it is a little, like, douchey. But, and uh, you know, you thousand years ago, yeah, but I guess there's a... I don't know. I think any anyone who's feel like again, anyone who's feeling like, all right, if I can't fight, go yep. go train some Learn martial arts. Fight. You have no muscle mass, go to the gym, take some creatine, yep. drink a lot of water. Uh, and experience with girls, go put yourself out there. Go put yourself out there. Throw some spaghetti up on the wall. Go yep. talk to say hi to some girls. Yep. You know? Uh and then boom, 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 you could solve all those problems. Or you just sit on the couch and, you know, be passive aggressive and bitch about shit. I think it's the perfect button for today's episode because the woke moment that we've lived through for the last, let's be real, like 15 years has been intentionally, aggressively an attack on all of the kind of masculine properties that our country was founded on. Um, So now the reaction to that attack is for this hyper red pill movement to come out and say, well, everything the woke said is wrong. Right, so if the woke are wrong, then we must be right. We got to be very careful for this binary, right? There's something to that. There's something to embracing masculinity and embracing the traditional values that made this the most successful civilization in the history of our species. But that doesn't also mean that there isn't virtue in being a berry picker, right? There doesn't right. mean that, you know, just because you can't deadlift 500 pounds, I can't code. Right, there's evolution of our species as well. So yeah, I think well said. You know what I'm well saying. Said, so yeah. the everyone has everyone has different gifts and and attributes. Yeah, I 100%. think I think it comes down to be an actively be an actively addition. Bring something to society, right? Don't so many people are getting paid today. People just want to be YouTubers for the very first time, and that's back to the to the to the. Uh, Chinese ki- kids with the guns, yep. like we got a bunch of purple hair wannabe YouTubers yep. that are criticizing. Meanwhile, huh? That are criticizing. They add. They're nothing. criticizing. They're, cri- oh, okay. they're, they're they're critical. They're actually adding nothing. I, I don't think the YouTuber itself is the problem. It's what is successful on YouTube that's the problem. It's the critical nature. Like Stephen A. Smith might be the most famous person in sports right now. He does nothing. He comments on the actions of other men. He adds nothing. He creates conversation. He's actually actively adding nothing to society. But he's mega wealthy because of it. Skip Bayless has added nothing. Yeah. 
except conversation. And like, yeah, controversial statements kind of shitting on the men in their arenas. He has made millions off of the backs of the activity of other better men. Yeah. Right? I think that there's a big problem here. I think that people have to be very careful, and this woke movement has to be very, very, very careful, because if the the economy specifically takes a, a, a bounce, right? I don't know if you if your family's ever gone through any sort of economic downturn, but dad, dad is a lot happier when fucking the cupboards are full. Sure, there's a lot of shit that dad lets the kids get away with, and there's a lot of silliness that he laughs off when he's not stressing every moment of every day. When the cupboards get bare. All that other shit gets gets yeah. That's when shit's gonna get a little stressful. That's you when shit gets real. That's when shit gets real. Yeah. So if we go through an extended period of economic downturn, I think a lot of people's patience for this shit is going to really, really wane. And then I think, or I fear, that there's going to be such a backlash where people are like, "I lost everything because you blue-haired motherfuckers couldn't just leave well enough alone," and that is a dangerous place to be. Yeah. Right. So. I really believe in the principle of it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in war. Right. I believe in that. And I believe in what you're saying when it comes down to, hey, acknowledge this and train these things. There's no, there's always room yeah, for Yeah, like something. there's something you could do. Always like room for something. You don't have to, you know, resign yourself to that fate. Like, you know. Yeah, but I don't want to get into this red pill environment where the gardener is the bad guy for being a gardener. That's red pill? The gardener's a bad guy for being a gardener? Yeah, I think the red pill's going too far. I think the red pill movement is going too far. I I also think it's it was always going to happen. This is Hegelian dialectic, man. This is the hard left. It's like a rubber band effect, kind of? The hard woke left was always going to bring out a hard right. Mm. You know, that false binary of they lied to us about the vaccine, so all medicine must be must be bad. Right. That's not the answer either. Yeah, there's a, we got to meet in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Throw out the, get rid of the... Bad shit on both ends. Yeah, and I wonder if we can't do that or if part of the reason we can't do that is because... Now you're talking more sense to me. Because they don't apologize for being wrong. Part of <laughs> us is like, I don't care if it hurts me. I want to hurt them. Right. I don't care. And what was that? What did you say? Dialectic? Hegelian dialectic. Hegelian dialectic? Hegelian. Hegel. Okay. Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, well... We don't have enough time today. We'll go into it another day. Oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, cool. I'm sorry I asked. Um, I got another one from... Uh, uh, really quick. From, here, here. Uh, oh, this, oh, oh you want to talk really more? Quick. It's the pendulum. You use the rubber band effect. Yeah. The Hegelian dialectic is this constant struggle. How society moves forward is it pushes from one extreme to another, and then it breaks, and then it pushes from that extreme to the other. So if this extreme is bad, then this extreme must be good. And the only period of health and happiness in humanity is that little middle period where we're pushing off of one extreme before we get to the other extreme. So mm-hmm. we're, we're getting, if you believe in the Hegelian dialectic, we're getting to the end of pushing away from mm-hmm. one extreme towards another, and then we're going to get into an extreme, waste a couple generations on fucking human depravity, come back away from that, and then, you know. And then maybe we meet in the middle somewhere? Or? Yeah, and then take another 100 years. Another yep. 100 years. Another 100 years huh? for a good happiness, you know. It's so you think after this woke stuff that it's going to go the total opposite way? Yeah. And people are going to be doing what? I think unless cooler heads prevail and unless we have really solid leadership for the first time and what's going to end up being 30, 40 years, I think you you risk... Uh, look, we had Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is 
whatever the woke is on the left, she is on the right. She's a hardline right winger. This is President's Day. She's a sitting me- member of Congress. And she said that, you know, we need a national divorce. There's just no way. A national we, divorce? A national divorce. She said there's nothing blue states and red states have in common. Why are we even acting like we do? We can't govern the same because we don't view the world the so same. Like a secession? Yeah. Or a break divorce? Up. Just break, break up the nation of states. You know? Uh, the, you know, break up and, you know, maintain some sort of federation, but break up. And that's, on, that's a sitting member of Congress. She said that Pres- today? Yeah, on President's Day. She tweeted that out. Um, and it got hundreds of thousands of retweets. So she's not alone in her thinking. I, I think that there's a lot of people that did a lot of things wrong and are getting away with it. And we've talked about it before. Humans are not, we're not made for conflict without resolution. It, it, it right. sits on us forever. Yeah, it just festers. It festers and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And, you know, people think about ways of escalating that. And Twitter and social media in general, they created this environment of nonstop conflict with zero conflict resolution. Yeah. That's why disagreeableness is good, but then there's also a fine line where, like, a contrarian is just annoying as fuck. Yeah. You know? Whereas if you actually have, like, good uh, information and, like, strong beliefs, like, yeah, speak up for yourself. Tell your truth. Provide a solution. Yeah. If you're going to be a cynic like me, understand a contrarian. Contrarian is just an asshole because you never – contrarian is just somebody who never wants to be wrong. Right, you know, it's, and it's, they always just say otherwise. Yeah, of it's either I told you saying. so, I told you so, or if things worked out great, they get to live in this environment where things worked out great. Right. What What's better than that? Yeah. The contrarian's like, if you do this, it's going to be bad, and if it's not bad, they get to live in a good world, and if it is bad, they get to say I told you so. So if you deal with a cynic, as someone who is one like me, think of that stoic that stoicism. Okay, proffer some solutions. Mm-hmm. What solutions? Okay, let's say you're right. What are the solutions? One of the things I love about Ron Paul. Ron Paul, and I know Omri's a, uh, a Bernie Sanders guy. Ron Paul and Bernie Sanders, if you listen to what they say the problems are in America today, they will list the exact same problems. And now they're supposed to be on the opposite ends of the political spectrum. Ron Paul, libertarian, and Bernie Sanders, democratic socialist. They will list the exact same things wrong in America. They will identify the same issues. The difference is the solutions that they offer. The devil's in the details. I just want to point out that I'm not a Bernie guy. I just brought up in the pre-production <laughs> meeting that I don't hate him, and I think he's not a bad guy. Fake news. Uh, that's <laughs> Omri's fake news. No, Gerard's just passing along misinformation. <laughs> yeah, it's all going to be AI soon enough anyway, boys. Chat GPT. Yeah. Yeah. We got anything else from the chat, Omri? We got like five minutes. Uh, nothing major, just uh, – Honestly, do you want to give some guy advice about his recovery? What kind of recovery? What kind of recovery? Uh, it's, I think it's 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 uh, Ricky Ricardo. Uh, it's the guy who we talked about him last week. He fucked up his shoulder, and he's uh, wondering if he should go on one fifty six BPC. Uh, you know what that is? Yeah, we're not BPC doctors, one five seven. Yeah, why the hell not? We're we're not doctors. He's got we the cannot, money for it. Go for we it. We cannot give medical advice. Under any circumstance, we wish you the best luck. Yeah, actually, and, and <laughs> you know what's funny about that is that's it's. I think that stuff is like even when they like uh, give it to you. What is it? It says BPC one five seven. It's a peptide. It was what, a what are healing. peptides? I keep hearing about. I this don't stuff know exactly. Time. I don't know exactly. <laughs> but like there, there's stuff that's like yeah, I, I think like I think our like we make BPC one five seven somewhere in in us, but then they also like isolate it and then you can like inject it. Oh, okay. Um, 
But I think, like, all that stuff is, like, gray area stuff where it's, like, this is not for human consumption. <laughs> but you, you know, humans take it because we, it's, like, they have to kind of cover their ass, whoever makes it, yeah. and say it's not for human consumption. Yep. You know, it's better know. to be a peptide in the garden, folks. Hey, better to be a peptide in the garden. Huh? Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this live episode. We'll be live again next week on Monday, but we got a really, Maybe. really, really special episode this Friday. You got to check it out. If you don't know about it, we have two actual heroes coming on Friday, guys that are fighting off uh, some of the worst human beings on earth and, and really helping the kids. And that's going to be out Friday. Check out that episode this Friday at one o'clock for Omri, for Ben, for Slick Mick, the ruler. This has been Slick and Thick on Gas Digital Network. Tell everybody you know, use code SNT to listen for free for one week. We will see you on Friday.